0: And welcome back to Blood and Ashes. This is episode forty-nine. I am your host Mo, and I am joined, as always, by my definitely one hundred percent sane friends Jody, woohoo, <laughs> and Villy. Well, I'm thankful to be called sane.
1: <laughs> However, inaccurate <laughs> it is,
0: still thankful. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, I, I just I I wrote that that little intro um, flavor immediately after reading the last chapter that uh, we'll be covering in this episode because it to me marks the beginning of like scary Rand. Yeah,
2: <laughs> he's losing the plot
0: a bit. <laughs> he's not in a good place, and he doesn't even have like the excuse of like he's in the midst of battle or anything. Like, he's just having conversations with people, and he's being. Uh, Quite crazy. Mm. It's a little off, isn't it? Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, But before we get to crazy rand, we deal with a little bit of um, naive. And thank God, the end of the menagerie section of the book. I mean, I think it was longer and harder than the apple cart. That's what she said. I think it's my Um, new least favorite.
1: I... I have uh, thoughts on the Menagerie and (laughs) Valenluca. I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We will discuss. You might be disgusted by it, but
0: (laughs) I will drop some uh, bongs. Okay, great. Um, Yeah, so as we sort of like not so subtly alluding to, this is mostly naive and Menagerie and running up to Saladar, and then, bang, uh, a real cliffhanger end with uh, with some serious Rand and Kyrian uh, developments, and full disclosure, I have read the next chapter that we'll be covering in our next episode, and holy shit, strap in, mm. so let's, let's get all the pieces into place uh, in this episode, uh, before we get into the craziness that is going to be the final episode for the fires of heaven next time. Now, Rand is pretty scary, but one thing we do not need to be scared of is pullbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so first things first, we have our first voice message from a mm-hmm. friend of the show, Rowan. So stick around until the end of the episode for that one. I'm still trying to figure out how to integrate them. So Rowan just sort of says a, a general hello and uh, is basically obliging my repeated request for someone to leave a voice message. So there isn't really a question or anything to answer up front. But I will I will honor my my, my pledge and I will include his voice message in the show. But that will be around the end. So stick around for that one, Rowan. Um, but if anyone wants to send in a voice message, this now prompts me to say, uh, do ask a question or give us something that we can insert straight into the callback section because, um, yeah, we want to hear from you guys. We asked, in which Indiana Jones movie does he shoot the swordsman flailing around the scimitar? And I think we took a guess at Temple of Doom and The Last Crusade, but it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was in the first movie. Oh, that's what I figured. Yeah. I was right. Ah,
1: okay. <laughs> you figured right. No. You were we didn't even list raiders of the last arc we went. I think to, it's the to, only one
0: we didn't list, yeah, <laughs> then we had some um trying to figure out what time of day Matt was fighting Cooliden like was it in the, like trying to use like how much rain had dissipated by that time, but I went back and I read that chapter and it actually says it kind of kind of clearly um it is though as Billy had said sort of in the middle of the of the afternoon, as Matt says, despite it feeling like um three or four days since he'd ridden down the hill to go warn the the Terrans. And speaking of the Terrans, uh, we were sort of wondering about like Estian and you know, what his uh, his role was at the card table when, when Matt was busy playing cards with him, when the bubble of evil attacked, sort of our introduction to Estian. Um, and it's actually pretty rough. I'm only, I am only put it in here because I went and I checked back for my own interest after listening back to the last episode to, to see where he ends up, because we actually read about Estian quite a lot and he joins obviously the band of the red hand as he as he did in the in the last episode but at that table he's if you remember completely drunk he is sloshed Mm. at the at the card table and he starts making comments about how he can't believe how rand is uh, allowing uh, people to take nobles to the magistrate sort of like take them to court and hold them accountable for their actions and by peasants no less and matt is sort of like you know, perturbed by that comment, as you would expect. And he goes, yeah, I'm sure you would just like to be able to just have your way with a fisherman's daughter and not have her have any power or anything to say about it. And Estian sort of comments, uh, no, the fisherman's daughter smell too bad. I prefer like a farmer's daughter or something like that, like making some really deplorable Shit. comments. And Adorian is actually at the table and he notices Matt's reaction and he tries to talk Estian like down or change the topic or like change the topic completely. But Matt gets pretty wor- worked up at Estienne. And um, it's interesting to see him now, like after seeing some battle and sort of carousing with the Kyrenians. It's him and one of the Kyrenian soldiers. I'm not going to try and name them and create a callback for myself, but and uh, Aiel Warrior that are singing Jack of the Shadows. Um, so he is certainly being served up as someone that we should know and potentially like. I don't think there's anyone we're supposed to dislike in the band. Um, but it's interesting to see that considering where he came from oh. all right all right and now for a, a straight shot of classic pedantry vil you said that the Sisway aman wear a red headband with a white and yellow teardrop design did i say yellow yes you did i have no idea where you got yellow from i mean that was obviously just a slip of no, the no, tongue no 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 do i <laughs> uh, but yes, it's obviously the Aes Sedai symbol, right? The ancient Aes Sedai symbol, the white and the black, um, the dragon's fang, and the flame of Tablon. It would
1: have been way cooler if they had the monkey from Donkey Kong holding up some <laughs> barrels.
0: That barrel from Monkey. <laughs> I mean, okay, sure. It open season. <laughs> <laughs> would have been cooler if they had a flaming skull
3: <laughs>
0: or a Mario mushroom. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: um, then I, I needed to call the pedantry police on myself because I keep saying Colavir as Covalier. Um, so keep me honest there. It's Colavir and I have to remember that like when I imagine it now, I imagine her standing there with like a, a can of Coca-Cola.
1: You do realize <laughs> <Yes>. who <laughs> you're speaking to. I mean, you you can call a candy for like and I wouldn't even pick it
0: up. I know. I know that you never noticed. This is for the benefit of our listeners just to... Just to show that we are paying attention, or at least making an attempt. At least I am, Vili. I get a lot of enjoyment, and actually, so do a lot of our listeners from your attempts specifically at a lot of these names. So <laughs> keep keep it fast and loose. That's that's what we like. Um, then Vili, you slipped into your mother tongue again, and you you said that Rand was dirikakmuh which to our listeners just means like very, very tired, uh, albeit in much more colorful language in Afrikaans.
1: Yeah, it basically means you drag through the shit (laughs) tired.
0: There we go. There's that color. And then there was a a mention of the new verse of Dancing with Jack of the Shadows that refers to Matt. Uh, But I don't think we actually heard it in that um, section that we read. And I thought I would just read it here because it's pretty cool because it goes, we'll toss the dice however they fall and snuggle the girls, be they short or tall, and follow young Matt whenever he calls to dance with Jack of the Shadows.
2: Sounds Mattish.
0: And then apparently in the last battle, they add another verse. It's the um, the Dragoneers add a verse that goes, we'll give a yell with a bloody curse and, and hug the maids. It could be worse as we ride away with the Dark One's purse to dance with Jack of the Shadows. So twice in the story, the ad versus. All right. Now, listener contributions. Strap in.
3: Hmm.
0: Joe, Queen of Swords on Twitter, writes in about a possible real-world analog for the beings with no heads, as described by Valen Luca. Remember when he talks about all the fantastical places he's been and going to Shara, where he got the boar horses from? He talks about seeing men with no heads. Um there are, and I quote from the, the wiki entry that I just copied and pasted into this document, various species of mythical headless men were rumored in antiquity and later to inhabit remote parts of the world. They are variously known as akepaloi okay, okay, or blemis and described as lacking a head with their facial features on their chest. These are at first described as inhabitants of ancient Libya or the Nile system and in later traditions confined their habitat to a particular island in the Brazone River or shifted it to India. So there are these sort of like folk tales of men with no heads and faces on their chest, which might be where RJ was was pulling that reference from. Then Sarah wrote in again uh, to say that not only did Robert Jordan serve in the military and those two tours of Vietnam that we spoke about and won all those medals, but he attended a military college in South Carolina known as the Citadel. Um, and then I should also say, Sarah wrote a, a lovely glowing review of the podcast uh, somewhere. I saw it on an aggregator and thanks for that, Sarah shot sure. now time for our, do- our our regular dose from the delivery man, Richard Jackson. Uh, who just wanted to clarify what um, Avienda's laughing fit was about. He was saying that Avienda was trying to tease Egwene about being punished. Uh, She finds Egwene so vehemently denying it funny. uh, She thinks it's because Egwene was tired, but in truth Egwene acts guilty because she was dreamwalking without permission when she was awakened by a bear and Soralia. And there's actually a reference to that in this section. There is indeed. Which Mm. is pretty cool. Yeah. He also thought that another reason why Moraine didn't enter Kyrian was that she, as a Damodred, who is also Aes Sedai, is probably considered the ultimate player of the game of houses, and she may have been trying to protect Rand from rumors that she was manipulating him or helping mm-hmm. him, um, which she actually was doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone knows Moraine. <laughs> yes.
0: The real story there
1: is Moraine by not going to Kyrian, was playing the game of houses at such a high level that she didn't yep. even have to be there. She had Rand she play, play it remote. for her.
0: <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> <Yes>, by proxy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's playing by internet. Uh,
0: and then the last thing Richard wrote in about is that we didn't mention explicitly a cool thing, which is that Asmodean says about the Kyrenians, often, you know, they come and try and see Rand and they speak to him. And he, Joe, you were talking about how he, um, He says, I think what they were saying was this, but there was so much like undercurrent, I couldn't tell. Um, What he says, he goes on to say that um, these Carinians could bandy words with some people I used to be acquainted with. So he's saying that the Carinians could play Game of Houses with the Forsaken, which uh, (laughs) Richard Richard actually thought was his favorite moment from the last episode, because that is, I mean, high or low praise, you know, take it as you you would. (laughs) All right, but that's it for callbacks. So, previously on Blood and Ashes. We basically have a big old battle. Rand and his Aeel versus the Shido currently laying siege to Kyrian. Uh, Matt tries to escape Rand's Teverian pool, but finds himself in the heart of the battlefield, leading a ragtag group of Terrans and Kyrianian soldiers uh, in multiple skirmishes with the Shido, culminating in a showdown with Culloden himself. Matt wins. Culloden's head goes on a spike. Meanwhile, Rand, Egwene, uh, and Avienda channel the bejesus out of the Shadow from where they perched on a constructed platform until somehow attacks from a distance, collapsing the platform, killing several maidens around it. Uh, eventually, the Shido break and Rand loses his mind somewhat and eventually learns that the battle is over and he passes out. And when Rand wakens, um, he hears that there have been multiple Terran and Karenian lords that have been trying to see him. Yeah, a so back and forth with Avienda before heading into the city. He's just liberated and addresses the nobles gathered before him, where he dabbles with Dice Dimar and tells them all he intends the Sun Throne for someone other than himself, causing them all to do a collective head scratch. And that brings us to chapter 47. The price of a ship. Jody, what is the price of a ship?
2: Ah, uh, war. That's the price of a ship. Mass <laughs> <Apparently>. death. <laughs> uh, all kinds of horrible shit is the price of a ship. Uh, yeah, so, chapter 47. Oh, Like you said, Moritz, at the beginning of this, this fucking menagerie thing. <laughs> anyway, so Nynaeve and Elaine <laughs> are in their wagon. They have been there for three days, locked up. They're, not, they're, they're trying to keep low, a low profile, so they've been staying inside the wagon which is tiny it's about the size of a dining room table um so they're really getting on each other's <laughs> nerves there's a there's a lot of snapping um also they've been having well Nynaeve has been having nightmares we're in her point of view uh, at this stage she's been dreaming about Mogidi and about the prophet and Bugit shooting arrows in her uh, like not missing and just killing her about getting to Saladar and Elidas finds Elidas in charge and all kinds of weird shit um, she's also been dreaming about Egwene uh, just appearing in her dreams every night and just, just yammering crap at her that she didn't understand. Well, she did understand some of it, but she just thought it was part of the dream. Um, Nynaeve um, also got a whole bunch of new clothes from Valen uh, who insists that she mm-hmm. wear all these tight-fitting, low-cut, tinker-colored dresses, which is pissing her off even more. So she's got dreams. She's fighting with uh, Elaine. She's got these... Um, these horrible clothes. Um, so she's having a, a, a tough time. She's uh, she's quite snappy. <laughs> naive, snappy? What? <laughs> Weird. So, yeah, just really out of character for her. So Elaine, uh, also like whilst she's busy brushing her teeth, uh, Elaine and her have a conversation. And it finds out that, it, I mean, yeah, Elaine has also had these same dreams with Igwane, And they're like, in the middle of the conversation, like, wait, wait, you've also had these dreams? And they start comparing notes. And it turns out like, oh, shit. You know, this this must be Egwene really coming into our dreams and having a chat with us because they they figure out that they've uh they they compare like what what they've been told and they hear about Rand's victory in Kyrian, that he was injured, that he's been healed, that he's you know, take a couple of days to to recover. Meanwhile, he's already up and about. Um (laughs) so they realize, oh shit, that um is must be coming into into their dreams and and you know and telling them real information, it's not just part of the dream. Which makes me wonder if Mogidian is like the queen of Teleonriad, why is she not in their dreams? Like um
0: She's not like, a dream walker.
2: But I mean if Balzaman can pull Dr- Rand into dream shards and shit like that, why can't I mean he's not a dream it's walker maybe either? Balzman mm-hmm. is a dream walker.
1: Is he? I don't isn't he?
2: Hmm. I mean, surely if she's this master of art, she must have some tricks up her sleeve to get into the dreams or pull her into dream shards or do something in their dreams. I mean, Rand and Matt uh, and Perrin were harried from day one in their dreams. So, I don't know.
0: Maybe there's they're it. easier to locate because of their ah nature.
2: All right. There's, there's some theories. Write in, listeners. Tell us what you think. <laughs> yeah. Use that voice recording function. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll play it. All right. So anyway, it's uh that's what they discovered in that point, all right? So Elaine's trying to convince Naive to use the to again, but of course this laying low um strategy of theirs applies to the, the world of dreams as well. Like Naive is not keen on going back to to Tel'Anriod uh of for obvious Mogidian reasons. Um but eventually, Elaine convinces, like, look, we should go in at some point tonight just to go see if Egwene is there. Um, and we have to get some, you know, some some updates or whatever. And this is in that scene that you're talking about, Moritz, when they were comparing notes. And then Egwene looked scared and then disappeared from the yeah. middle of the dream. <laughs> and that was her yeah. being woken up there because um, she got busted and dragged into mm. some meeting that she wasn't uh, happy to be in. Um so, at this point, uh, Brigitte barges into the wagon, uh, surprising and pissing off Nynaeve, <laughs> who then attacks her. Uh, and Brigitte stacks her back. And then there's, Elaine has to get in between the two of them. As Rocha, it's like, you know, throwing three cats in a bag. Uh, it's just you know, terrible. <laughs> Brigitte uh, also tells Elaine and Nynaeve that, you know, Tom and Julian are back. They went into Samara. And Nynaeve's like, what the fuck? Why did they go to Samara? I never sent them. I never gave them permission mm-hmm. to go um and like you know what if they got killed or whatever and we didn't even know where they were blah 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 blah. the whole thing because she's just snapping at everyone now so they go outside um elaine I even begin to go and question tom and julian both of these dudes are beat up pretty bad uh tom has got a cut on his head and he's bleeding from the scalp and and, uh, julian has like a big bulge on his face like an egg hen's egg uh, lump under his eye there's, there's some shit going down in, in town, apparently. Mm. Uh, Elaine completely forgets her anger when she sees Tom. She runs over to him. She's like, oh, no, what happened? What happened? Tries to like start tending to his wound and whatnot. She's, you know, she lucky. Like, I mean, this is just caring for him now. This is not that previous weird shit. Uh, but luckily, you know. No. So we're, we're past that now, thank God. And we'll soon be past all of this as well. Um Nynaeve just does not want to heal them at all using the power. She's, she's angry enough, but she's like, no, fuck you guys. <laughs> you just have to deal with it now. <laughs> and just starts laying into Julian, giving him shit because Tom is busy. You know, he's being tended to. So Julian gets the short end of the stick. Um, mm-hmm. Tom tells him, like, listen, yeah, Samara is fucked. There well, are riots, there are mobs on every street hunting. Dark friends, um, you know, on behalf of the prophet, and just killing and attacking anyone who is not, you know, following the Dragon Reborn, and blah blah blah. blah. Um, they even see some smoke coming up from the town. There's stuff. Some fires are starting to happen in there. Julian's like, "Listen, it's time to go now. <laughs> There's no more, no more faffing. We we've got to go. Whatever ship or no ship." Mm. Um, Uno comes through the wagons at that point as well to tell Elaine and Nynaeve that, hey. Speaking of a ship, I found one for you, but it's going to be a bit difficult to get to because it is uh, being guarded by white cloaks, <laughs> and the white cloaks <laughs> are fighting the prophet's men. And there's like mobs of people just killing each other between where we are and where the ship is. Um, naive in, is in, in, like tough shit. You know, you made an oath to obey us and take us to the ship, so we are going. Like Uno is just trying to uh, like get them to not go. Like, well, let's find another plan because this is not this is not a good idea. But um, you know, Elaine is trying to threaten him to to remain true to his oath, and Elaine is trying to flatter him. She's like, you know, the whole like um, the stick using the stick and using the honey thing. She's like, oh, I'm, I grew mm-hmm. up, you know, hearing stories about the and bravery and all your fighting skills and blah blah blah. You guys, if anyone can do it, you guys can do it. Um, <laughs> while this is all happening, Brigitte is giving Uno a back massage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, because as soon as he arrived, they start checking each other out. <laughs> she she loves yeah. a dangerous ugly man. Yeah. She can't she keep does. His... <laughs> Uno is just <laughs> sexy as hell to her. So she's like rubbing his neck while they're having a chat, and he's like, Oh, cool, go for it, you know. Um, Uno is like looking at Tom and Julian with his one eye, trying to like, you know, help me out here, like get these women to not go to this this ship. But there's no use. There's no use. They should have known from the beginning you're not going to convince yep. um to do something she doesn't want to do so he's telling that look there's there's fighting even right up to the docks between the prophets men uh, and and the white clerks and that's what started the riots in in samara as the ship came in they they think it's like the river snake or something they don't know what it's called exactly um uh, masima's men found it as it as a docked and then the white clerks seized it seized it and Nynaeve realizes at this point, oh, fuck, this is Gallad, isn't it? <laughs> I'm the one that started this goddamn war or these riots in town. I told him to find a ship and he was like, oh, there's a ship. I'll, I'll take that. Thanks. You know, um, sweet, it's mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and speaking of the devil, just then Gallad arrives as well. Uh, <laughs> Rachel, all the women in camp lose their minds. Um, even Nynaeve. <laughs> she's like, she just stops dead in what her thought process, everything. And like all the other performers around start like smoothing their dresses. Uh, some take unconscious steps towards him like to see he, i think he might be Taviran as well um nynaeve <laughs> immediately like just walks up to him and starts accusing him of seizing the ship you know he's kind of surprised that she knows like she, she even kind of knows the name it's the sea serpent not the sea snake or whatever but he's like oh shit um but he's you know he's completely oblivious he's like uh, you know uh, he doesn't take responsibility for the rights and these he's like you told me to get you a ship i got you a ship you know uh, I've mm-hmm. fulfilled my oath to you. It's like, he doesn't, he's you know very black and white in that. Uh, he's already paid for the passage on it and the white clerks are holding it, you know, until they can get there. It's, it's reserved and paid for. Um, but he's completely oblivious. Yeah. It's like, why are you upset? <laughs> it's like, the town is burning down. <laughs> People are being murdered. <laughs> hey, I got you the ship. Chill out. Um, but his only thought is that, yeah, I, you know, I, I gave you my word and I kept it. Um, so Tom says, like, listen, everyone shut the fuck up. We have to get to this ship. There's no use crying about spilt milk now. It's already paid for. There's nothing that's going to change that. The riots are on. Um, so let's just go. I and mean, Gallard is also, you know... Uh, says yeah, you know, like you know, there's not many ships. This is the first ship to come by, and we've got it. It's not going to be another. We have got to take this this opportunity. So he asks Uno, like, uh you know, where's that buddy of yours that I saw you with the other day? <laughs> Uno is so keen for a fight. He's like, yeah, I know where he is. I got a few more hidden up my sleeve as well. So Galad doesn't know that he has like 15 other guys with him. So thank God mm-hmm. they did because in the next chapter we'll see why. Nynaeve starts giving orders. Immediately she's like, All right, well, I'll take over. Like, even though that everything has been decided and everyone's ready, she starts giving orders. Um, and <laughs> Valen that's when Valen Luca arrives. He's also beat up. He's been in a few scraps, he's all bruised up and he's limping, and he's just he's screaming. <laughs> like, everybody get up and back. We're getting the fuck out of Dodge right now. We wanna I wanna be out of here within the hour. Like, leave shit behind if you had to. One of the other menagerie owners, I forget his name, has already been beheaded. And half of his people have been killed and the place is built so, you know, burnt down. So he's not waiting. He'll lose money. So that tells you how serious it is mm. that if he's willing to leave shit behind and lose it. <laughs> Naive uh, tells Luca, like, listen, okay, I-, I hear what you're saying that everyone's leaving. We're leaving too but not not with you. All right? So this is our time. We're parting ways and she offers, you know, like, I'll give you your money that I, I promised you and he's like, he pulls her aside and drags her away to have a chat with her and he's like, listen, I don't want your, I don't want your money and, sh- and they're like, She's like, "What? That's that is also very odd for baby for him." Uh, and he's like, "No, I want you to, I want you to stay." And she's like, "Why would you want me to stay?" And he's like, well, "So you can have my children." Obviously, it's just like so out of left field. <laughs> she's like, "What?
1: I don't want
3: it's your like, yeah, money, we're...
1: honey. All I want is your love."
2: <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. She's like, "What?" She politely declines, of course, um, politely, but she declines. Uh, telling yeah. her like, look, no, I'm, I'm betrothed to another man. Uh, if, if you want to fight him, good luck <laughs> for my hand. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to be married and he doesn't seem to like care about that. He's just totally, totally besotted with her and tells her like, look, I, you know, what I should do is just bundle you up and carry you off with me. And she's like, listen, dude, I've got some Shinarans over here. <laughs> if you try any shit, um, I will set them on you. And he's eventually like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you I will let you leave, but he professes his love. Like you're the only one for me, and I'll find you again, and whatever it takes, and I will make you choose me over this other man. what, a, what, whata what, whata. So eventually, they get uh, they get away from him. He leaves, limps off again to go and fetch everyone else. She she does manage to get away from her, and we switch over to Elaine's point of view. She's gone in in search of uh, old Susan Sarandon to persuade her to to come with them on the ship to Saladar. She wants to take the Sean chan because obviously it's vital information there about the Sean chan to come with her to Saladar and be in- interrogated by Aes <laughs> Sedai.
0: She doesn't make a compelling case at no. all. No,
2: <laughs> she does not at all. She's not very good at uh, at, con- at convincing people to do stuff yet, I suppose.
1: Convincing people or taking them prisoner.
2: Yeah, yeah. That doesn't work either. Sarandon's yeah. uh, like, oh, I don't know, call her Sarandon. Uh, refuses, of course. She's not. I'm not leaving. There's no ships that are big enough to take my elephants with me. Um mm-hmm. and I'm not leaving them behind. you the people that are here that are afraid of these things, you know, they're not gonna look after the property. I'm not leaving them. You can you can fucking forget it. So Elaine is just desperate now. So she tells her that, listen, don't tell anyone else, but I am actually the daughter heir of Andor. You know, I'm gonna be queen <laughs> one day and everything. <laughs> Old Susan Sarandon doesn't believe her. All just looks at her like, you know, I can believe that you're you're a haughty noble, but uh, you're you're actually a better uh, high rope, like tight rope walker, like a and make you know, mm-hmm. you're so good that maybe one day you can perform for the Empress and everything. But you know, I, I don't believe you're the Queen of Andor. So Elaine's like she's out of ideas now. She's tried nicely. She's tried to you know tell her who she is really. So she just tries to grab her by force and grabs her arm and tries to drag her away. But. She forgets that uh, Susan Sarandon knows Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and just fucking twists her mm-hmm. arm up and down and makes her tap out, basically. <laughs> Elaine just mm-hmm. decides after a while, okay, this is not going to work. And this entire time, is there too because, of course, she's her water. And she just stands there watching it all, mm-hmm. does nothing to help whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Elaine eventually like, yeah. relents and is like, okay, let me go, let me go. Uh, you can stay, whatever. Um, And then she, you know Susan Sarandon leaves and, and Elaine... Um, turns to brigitte and is like what the fuck you just stood there did nothing to help me you my water what the hell and she's like listen if you want to be a dumbass <laughs> i'm gonna let you learn a lesson i mean if your life is in serious danger someone's shooting arrows at you or running at you with a sword or whatever yes i'll get involved and i'll save your ass but i, I think you needed to learn that lesson uh of course mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, elaine is not very stoked with this you know there's there's angry screams <laughs> she screams out loud uh, into the air is everybody looking around. It's like, oh, what the fuck's up with this woman? Uh, yeah, and yeah, They stride away <laughs> and basically uh, that's where the chapter ends for this one.
1: I have to uh, pipe in, yeah. Do pipe in. The story, yeah, This this is a story of a small business owner
3: <laughs>
1: who <laughs> takes in discarded people, gives them new skills, sews them clothing and employs them. His name's Valen Luca. Should have actually call him Valer Luca, because actually he's not such a bad guy. He I mean he he looked after them. He cared for them. He professed his love. Nanev never shot him down in all his advances. I mean they were well looked after and kept safe. They got given blue outfits and red outfits and breeches and mugs of ale. It's I mean, I think we we, we sell him short. That really, mm. uh, even he, when he professes his love to her, he doesn't like go all like rogue and like nah. drags her to the wagon and ties her up or something. That that's a bad guy. It's He's not kind that of bad.
0: Did. Okay, well done, Valen, <laughs> for not abducting someone.
3: Um, Counter
0: argument. When he says to Nynaeve, because you need to have my babies, she goes, Well, of course, you would, you know, she says something about being betrothed. He's like, Uh, uh, yeah, married, I guess. Yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that too. He had no intention of marrying her, just wanted her to have his babies. Maybe
1: yeah. marriage isn't big where it comes from. I mean, traveling people in carnivals are also dodgy. I mean, you've got to take it oh, he's, once these small business. So dodgy, like,
0: would, you, would you go so far as to say that he's dodgy?
1: No, I'm saying people that he's dodgy. In generally is dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a lovable rogue.
2: He's he's uh um,
0: He's not lovable, he's a sketchy ass man. He's not a rogue.
1: He's not a rogue. No. He's got no skills. No rogue. All right. I'll tell you about a rogue. No
0: time. <laughs> no time
1: for it.
2: No, Villa, you have a point. I never looked at it that way. I'm not 100 percent convinced. Um, I would still prefer to be away from him. But yeah, he's not an, hes not a bad dude.
0: He's not an evil man. No, he's not. He he's has... not an evil person. He is greedy and selfish, though, I, and vain. I <laughs> am not going to die on this hill. But he took them in, Villy, really, not out of charity, but because he was promised a hundred gold crowns, and he still <laughs> made them work for more money. And he knew that he could make money off them. He made them clothes because the clothes they had was were not revealing enough. So he was. Selling their bodies. I don't think. Nynaeve tells him that she's betrothed to someone else. Oh, shit. Moritz has now convinced
2: me.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Vili, you're on your own. It, they are working in, in <laughs> performance. I mean, it's, it, he. she's the, the, show is being a showman. He's a showman. And have you ever met an actor that's not full of themselves? So I've not met many actors. No, nor have I. <laughs> <laughs> i think we should uh just agree to chuck him a bone even if it's a chicken bone and we know that they break and splint in dog's throats, so whatever comes from a chicken bone comes but
0: back in the day when uh when we were still in high school or just after high school when we were reading wheel of time and talking about it a lot really we got in the habit of calling each other names from the wheel of time and you kept calling me vannon and i kept calling you Olver for whatever reason i'm going to change that now you're valen luca
3: <laughs> well, um
0: apart from standing that. up for this deplorable douchebag is there anything else you want to add <laughs>
1: about this chapter well i i mean i didn't want to go off on one of my tangents um and i thought i'd rather but you did speak anyway up for valen uh, no, no, I didn't. It wasn't a tangent, <laughs> but I'm about to embark on a tangent. I'm so okay, cool. over this bitchiness between the women. Like, I, I get it's right a small yet. caravan. It's and yeah, it. I've got to continue with it. Like, just seriously, I know, right? Get over, get, get done now. Like, this, the best thing that happens is that they eventually get to Salidar,
0: and then they have to mm. act like apprentices again. I'm them. trying to understand, like, also having obviously read all the chapters for this episode. And, like you said, when they get to Saladar, they get taken down a couple pegs, right? Like, the said Sedai put them in their place quickly. And Nine even says things like, oh, I'm not the one calling the shots anymore. I'm not the one giving commands. And it's hard for it to let go of that. And it made me think, like, like I've said in the last couple of episodes now, like, what is the point of this? Like, why am I subjected <laughs> to this? To this. Uh, tension and stuff, What what is it serving? And um, I don't know, like, I, I gave RJ a lot of credit for a long time, showing showing naive sort of pettiness, so that, in my mind, we could break her down from when, at least in my eyes, in the first couple of books, when she was just the wisdom from Eamon's Field, and she was tracking a warder, and, you know, showing, like, backbone, and fighting off, you know, evil forces, besting a forsaken, and that sort of stuff, like, you know, she's, She's really sort of put on a pedestal um, and put in leadership positions as well. When they go to Falma and they're going to go rescue Egwene, she's calling the shots and that sort of stuff. I always thought that she needed to be broken down again in the eyes of the reader to be able to be a novice and a, or to be an accepted. She skipped the novice phase completely, but to be an accepted and to learn to be an Aes and to come out actually um, not just continuing on her I am the wisdom and I call the shots in the in the women's circle and the is the village council um you know like she calls the shots over those guys and just continuing on that um trajectory I felt like she had to be broken down a bit but this has continued for so long like (laughs) her it's taken on another flavor now as well with the tension with Elaine and and Birgitta and I don't know. Like I, I haven't landed on a on a decision or a or an interpretation as to the necessity of it. Willie's got a belief. You have, obviously. Hi, <laughs> ask ask me. Ask me. Um, <laughs> For the listeners, he's dancing in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lay it on us. So we
1: we very much had the similar scenario with Egwene where she was constantly, that's not fair, this is unfair, and also having a fat Mm. sook and a sulk every time something happened. Now, that was during a period where they were unsupervised and off on their own mission. They split, Mm. and off goes uh, naive and Elaine, unsupervised with authority. And they do what they do. They end up having disjointed decisions being made which resulted in the burning down of Samara because trying to get too many people involved in a plot but not giving everyone the information and Egwene on the other hand who has now been under the supervision and guidance of the wise ones is turning into a leader she's Mm she's done her pen and she's she's grown as a person she has taken a hell of a lot on board and Nani and Elaine going back to the second tower, the Salida tower or whatever, mm. and being knocked down those those pegs and mm. having to regather themselves is what they need to grow to become leaders I mean Elaine yeah. needs to become a queen it's these things it's don't just happen being left to run on your own and the, the, the split in how both Elaine and Aniv recognizes the authority in Egwene after the period, six weeks, two months, three months, whatever it is that she spent with the wise mm. ones, you can already see that Egwene is, will take full authority over them and she puts them mm. in their place. And they unfortunately, I always re- reference the animal kingdom and everything, if you release um, wild animals into the wild, and you release young males. And specifically, I'll, I'll use a true-life example, uh, elephants that were reintroduced into a nature reserve into South Africa. Because of the cost of moving elephants, they would take young bulls as opposed to old bulls. And these young bulls that were released in the reserve killed white rhinos because they were adolescent shit stirrers. And the only way to fix it was to reintroduce very old 50-year-old, 40-year-old bulls into that park to basically mm. beat them up and say, like, <laughs> this is not discipline. And it's the same. Yeah. They didn't have someone. They have, they had Tom with them, but Nynaeve absolutely walked over Tom. She treated him like shit. Yeah. They did the same with Julian. the same with the Shinarans. You swear your fealty to me. I'm the leader. I'm the king. I'm the queen. I'm, I'm You listen yeah. to me. And... The end result of all this power and having 15 Shinar on shoulders, uh, Galad, uh, Galad, Galar, whatever. <laughs> um, all of these men <laughs> doing bird. their bidding turned out to be a burnt-down city and a bloody purge happening. Yeah. It's... Yeah, she needed to be knocked down. Elaine needed to be knocked down. They all needed to get. Mm. Like, what the hell have you actually done? Instead of being in, you know, just doing your thing and moving through like a real rogue would have, they've gone and (laughs) literally pulled a Rick and Morty on a whole city.
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Importantly, I think you hit on something there that I hadn't considered before is that they are unsupervised. Like, Mm. Looking at the characters, they obviously need to grow. I mean, they're starting at point A, they need to get point B. They need to grow along the way. And I think you're right that when left unsupervised, they sort of they grow in the way that they think they should. They sort of mm. occupy the space mm. of the of the leader and the the one calling the shots. But when they're around real leaders, they get knocked down again. And it's like, oh shit, no, actually, wait, maybe we were going a bit too far in the one direction, or like you know, maybe a bit mm. being a bit too extreme. And they actually have to learn things like poise you know, and not being petty because they are being so petty and so childish the whole Mm. time. And I mean, it continues for chapters after (laughs) this one, even. (laughs) (laughs) But
2: Moritz, I think that answers your question as to why RJ is doing this. He's To show us the difference between Egwene and these two. They all came from the same place. They had different paths. Now we can understand and it makes sense that Egwene is now the leader over these. She's advanced more in that position. Yes. Billy, you've just blown my mind. There you go. Everybody's now learned something.
0: Thanks. Yes. I I, I needed that because it's very easy to look at these chapters like I have for the last two decades and go, oh, God. (laughs) Please, Ed. Why? (laughs) Why? Hopefully, Billy can come with the insights and crossroads of Twilight as well. Oh, man. I'm going to be in that book real soon. (laughs) I'm going to jump ahead. (laughs) I had a couple notes for this chapter, but um, we've basically touched on most most of them just mm. throughout that um, that summary. I just want to say my last note is Luca is such a cad. <laughs> After he talks to Nynaeve about fathering his children, and she assumes he means getting married, he goes, "Oh yes, married, sure." <laughs> yeah, that too, sure, whatever you want.
2: But yeah, also <laughs> one note that I I read this chapter twice in preparation for this, and I never mm-hmm. I never really. Uh, took on board the the consequences of Nynaeve's decision now. Mm. Like holy yes. fuck, yeah. Like that this is you just your actions caused the death of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in this town. Yeah. The town is The gone whole dragonsworn
0: conflict is mm-hmm. now because before this the dragonsworn were I don't want to use the word peaceful, but I mean they were they weren't actively burning down and raiding and like you know mm. destroying mm. everything around them but this continues until rand meets with the prophet right like this is now the status quo in this area of the map like the dragon's one running amok and it's all because of Nynaeve.
1: Mm.
2: i mean brigitte as well pretty much brigitte doesn't want her to take responsibility for that but Nynaeve was fucking around until unreal with Mogedian. And Bogut is mm-hmm. being pulled out of the the patent because of naive. So mm-hmm. she's just fucking up after fuck up after fuck up. Someone should take her down a peg or two, Moritz. <laughs> well, <laughs> Swan. Well, if that's what you <laughs> want, stay
0: tuned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Uh, is there anything else?
2: No, I think we've beat down naive enough. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel, I feel the need to remind the listeners that uh, Nynaeve was, for the longest time, my favorite character. And I still love her. It's just mm. um, I'm, I'm looking a little further afield now. So then, Chapter 48 is called Leave Takings. Uh, take it away, Billy.
3: Mm.
1: Okay, let's carry on with this. <laughs> let's yep, yep, deal yep. with the consequences of the <laughs> ridiculous leadership. All right. taking. Everyone's saying goodbye. Um it's been sort of announced they're leaving. Uh they're leaving the show to do their thing. Um everyone's comes to say their goodbyes, Clarine and Petra and Ludra and gives them some more fire sticks and they already ditched the ones in the in the, in <laughs> and the, you the just caravan to get rid of them. <laughs> that was there, scared of them, <laughs> just wanted to get rid of oh, them. Great. More fire she's sticks. like, hey hey, have some more unstable <laughs> fire sticks. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of focus on them. They have to come in useful at some point, right? They're going to be used for something. Like yeah, the third time they really mentioned.
1: It um, the fire sticks will will make its way. Or maybe maybe RJ just really likes matches. did not he smoke a pipe? <laughs> 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 Robert Jordan, like known a- match enthusiast. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but, yep, yeah, they do their goodbyes. Um, Nanev... Nanif- uh, prior to this, obviously she was packing in the in the caravan. there. she packed up a bundle of things, including the gold that they have left over, the letters of rights from um, a Lady Amethera, the gems that the Mathera gave them, She's packing all her herbs, including uh, some uh, herbs to help her with her seasickness. Even though she's just going to be on a river, uh, mm. she's got the letter from Swan still, and then most importantly, the seal. Uh, which now, very important to note, is being wrapped up in the red dress that she's just going to take the red dress with, you know, to wrap up the valuable parcel. But I know she wants to put it on for land. Mm. That's why she's taking sure, it sure. with. Yeah. But the seal is whole, and she wraps it up and sticks it in the bag, uh, including as all the Terang reels, uh, the dream Terang and the amber disc. Uh now Elaine also comes in and their snottiness towards others continues. They're not helping each other with their buttons and um, <laughs> she while well, um Elaine eventually gets uh, out of her breeches because the uh, Jody uh, you you glanced over it, she was called fat a couple of times in those pants by uh Brigitte and Nynaeve in the earlier chapter. Was she? We're, no, Brigitte told her that, luckily, you don't have a big ass, because
2: yeah, those, she was those telling would she not be the pants it.
1: for you. You don't know if it was like, luckily, you don't, as they were dropping some hints. Maybe she's got riding hips. Now, I think maybe they're just pointing out, like, look, everyone's checking out your ass in those pants. Like, everyone. Yeah, I think that's probably true. That's That's probably true. But either which way, the, there was such a, um, such a commotion on the outside while my niece was packing that uh, it made her look if she had any bruises while she was changing because uh, she, at this stage, doesn't put it aside that her and Brigitte will go to blows at each other. It's a well-run camp that she's leading there. they all just moments away from beating each other up. Tom and Julen, um they backed. They're ready to go. Elaine gets the remainders of the things, including the Adam as well, which Nadine doesn't want to touch. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are very much packing lightly. So it took them all of two minutes to get all their jazz together. And very much the same for Brigitte, who has also now got her her, her, her clothing of choice, which Mm. sounds like bell-bottom riding pants, skirts, (laughs) And a little coat of all odd colours. She looks like a bit of a tinker by choice. I think the pants, when they describe to me, are like MC Hammer pants, like that.
3: Mm. It's hammer time. Yeah, but it isn't it
1: isn't it doesn't? It's voluminous, but it doesn't taper down. So it's like bell
0: bottom voluminous. I think they're actually tucked into her boots, aren't they? So they're mm. like they're
3: small really at the bottom like. in
0: her boots, and then like yeah. big ah. and floaty around.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So you can do that dance no, sideways. Just
0: that music. <laughs> yes, like <laughs> the
1: grab dance, like MC Hammer. Dance. Yeah. yeah,
2: of course.
1: <laughs> um, all right, so they have all this stuff. They do their goodbyes, and they are led by the Shinarans and Gallard into Samara. And they sort of, Samara is like this eerie place because the mobs all gathered in corners burning and looting and pots lying and wares all over the show. It's a proper purge happening over there. And as they round the street and go down some laneway, uh, they are spotted. And at this point, they've already seen like a pitchfork that has got two heads stuck to it. It's, uh, it's, it's got them pretty rough in there. He's and this out of hand. one bloke that doesn't look All to good spots the girls, and next minute there's a zombie charge on them. And Nynaeve sort of angry enough already, but she's just on the edge of journaling. But she can already see Elaine has embraced the source and Mm. all readiness. But Briggy just steps in and shoots the guy right in the eye with an arrow and proceeds to just send out some arrows and mow down some pitchfork and torch-bearing anarchists, I guess it's <laughs> the best word. Uh, the Shinarians aren't shy to pull their blades out and they uh, do a little bit of slicing and dicing as they know how to do. But Galad decides to just leisurely step in and his sword and proceeds to dance a path through the people, slicing undercutting banks, herons and brushes <laughs> and thrushes and, <laughs> thrushes and and hawks, <laughs> and all the the glorious moon rises and sunsets that is in the mm. in the ver- various forms that there are, and he the Shinarans kind of like they give a little nod, like righto, okay. <laughs> Maybe it was good that we didn't take him on in that alley; we might have been dead. Uh, yep. They make their way and they eventually get to the sea serpent, river serpent uh sorry river serpent sorry i'm just reading my notes there uh so they they then reach the white cloak um uh perimeter and get to the docks now the captain whose name is nerez he is like I I I heard two women there's way too many people here yeah and naive gets in there trying to make smiles in the lane and they will they will uh now these men will get on and he's okay cool whatever got to get going and then she's like "No, but what about all the refugees so the poor good folk of samara are also standing on the dock nowhere to go and she's like no nah, all of them get them all on no one's being left behind i will pay their way and they they pull her a bit of a responsible, good move there in loading up the boat with a bunch of, I don't know, 50, 100? I, I don't
2: think start. it was that much.
0: I don't think they say a number. That's what I just imagine They imagined. don't say a number. Yeah.
2: 47, of <laughs> yeah, course.
0: Yeah, that's a good, good
1: number there. 47, <laughs> and they get them on the boat. And pretty much off they set from there. I think that's a very short chapter. That's pretty much where they end. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of detail in that chapter. It's a great
2: summary, but we can discuss the detail. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, we can dive yeah. into the detail, especially um, that, uh, especially that fight uh, fighting through the town. There's a lot happens. Like they they meet a couple of bandits, and there's a couple of alleyway scenes, and there's dead bodies yeah. hanging out of windows, and yeah, more fires. When they were in the camp, they saw two fires. Now there's like five or seven fires. Now, yeah. Yeah. Things are going downhill Well, It's more like fast. this one fire. Everything <laughs> yeah. is just burning. Everything is on fire now. <laughs> 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 ah, ha, ha. Everything My is general. on fire. All everyone's dead. So funny.
0: <laughs> Lol. Uh, <laughs> why don't you, why don't you uh, give us some of that, that t- delicious detail from the fight that I can see you champing at the bit to discuss.
2: No, I don't have like specific details. It's just in my mind as one of those things. Um, spoiler alert: <laughs> this may come back at the end of this episode <laughs> during another discussion. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, well, I'll I'll save you showing your hand. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious already. It's, it's already
2: shown, but um, mm. yeah, like I like how at the end of that fight, like they they when they meet that mob, and when everything is said and done, um, Bagheet hasn't moved, and there's just Arrows in everyone's eyes <laughs> on the ground. Yes. She's just going around. Collecting every arrow every finds an eye. Every arrow. And the Shinarans are, are still in there where they were surrounding the Nynaeve and Elaine. And they're, they're bruised and they're bleeding and they're cut up and they've got wounds. And Gallad is like 15 paces ahead of everyone, untouched, completely clean. Untouched, not a scratch. <laughs> not a scratch. Just wiping his bloody sword on the corpses. Like, all right, let's carry on. Little
0: detour. He's described as standing with his arms folded <laughs> until so like his, his sword is not just in its scabbard. He's crossed his arms until the does... guys are almost on top of them when he yes. unsheaths and then kills them. And at times he's, he's described like at times there are five or six guys around him, but only long enough for them to die. <laughs>
3: like
0: they're around him for Indeed. as long as it takes them to die. <laughs> That's how long they are surrounding him for. It is Unbelievable. I, I can't remember. I mean, this is all noteworthy because of what we know Galad does later in the story. Yep. Right? Like, Galad has to, he has to call on all of this skill in a very pivotal scene later that I want to banish on here. But um, I can't remember if there are any other examples of Galad and um, his fighting skills until the very end of the story. Dude, again, asking the wrong people. I'm sure they are. (laughs) Maybe there's like 15 other times.
3: (laughs) It's like like numerous.
0: Uh (laughs) Um, But yes, I also enjoyed that, Joe. That was very cool. Side
2: note that battle, that fight Mm. you're talking about that happens later, there's a a recreation of it online on on YouTube by uh, Way of the Heron, Jim from Way of the Heron. Because I was at the uh, convention, the Valkyrie Con uh, convention. Oh, yes. And he did uh, a sword form gym from where the heron was there. And he did one of the panels and he showed us the sword forms and whatnot. Um, and he, they showed us a video and he, him and a buddy recreated that fight. And it's done so well. Like maybe we'll, if, if I can find it, we can put it in the description for this episode. To go, people go and Absolutely. Watch it. It's like one minute, and two minutes yeah. long or something. It's very, very good.
1: Side note. Cool. Yes. Some of the saucy details. Um, naive. Feeling that she's got a sick up while Brigitte pulls out arrows out of people's skulls. Yeah. She appears to like to shoot people in the eye, but nowhere in this does she realize or oh, really the gravity of the situation of what she's caused. I mean, I know she didn't initiate the mob, but yeah, it just didn't sit well with She
0: it. She recognizes it in the previous chapter.
2: I
1: think mm, now
0: she, she recognizes, recognizes it's like, ooh.
2: But she blames Galad for it. She's like, you idiot. Why did you mm. start this? Yeah, but she's she realizing. I he think can. her
0: internal monologue mm. is like, uh oh, please tell me this isn't the case. Oh, did this happened because of what I. Did? And then there's also mentions of like when the news is relayed to them, she's pointedly not looking at Elaine and Birgitta or, Birgitta, mm. or she's thankful that Elaine and Brigitte don't make mention of the fact that it's directly because of Nine um actions that that this has transpired. I think I think she recognizes that this town and its current state is as a direct result of her of her um her actions. Her her rash sort of yeah. Everyone find me a boat. Anyone go go give me a boat, no matter yeah. what. Without She's talking to each the other. two armed parties in town.
2: Yeah i lost the white cloaks and the prophet's men to do the same job in the same yes. town. Nothing. What could go wrong?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: One boat rocks up. Everyone fights for it. <laughs> yeah. It's... Boat rocks up. Explosion.
3: <laughs> um,
0: yeah. In that fight where the, the guys attack them, where Galad was dancing between them and the Shinarans were busy killing everyone, shooting eyes and stuff. There's a section where a dude rushes at Elaine and Tom slits his throat, but with such like force, he almost cuts his entire head off. Fuck! I don't recall that.
3: <laughs> That's how mm. it's
0: worded. Tom cuts a person's head almost clean off from slitting his throat. Yeah, so, some uh, he just stayed uh, away from uh, this, my lane. This
1: guy just got. <laughs> yes. Yeah, get a little bit close to a lane. He was
0: uh, quick, quick on the knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then I've got a much more lighthearted comment as well. And that is at the very beginning of the chapter, Nanith thinks to herself, it feels like she's wearing too much clothing.
2: <laughs> well, everything's been lighthearted. We've been laughing this whole time. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: so used to Lucas revealing dresses and will never admit it to herself. But I think it's like a recurring theme. Like whenever yeah. she's in Teleron like she's always wearing really low cut things, especially when they talk about Lan. Like if Lan comes up, like immediately she's in like extremely low cut dresses and stuff.
2: She starts noticing dresses as well. She's, like, taking note of other women, how they dress. Like, when she oh, gets yes. back to
0: Saladar, she's checking out, like, ooh,
2: look oh, at yes. that dress. Ooh, look at that one. Yeah.
0: Wow. And a couple of episodes ago, do you guys remember when they were traveling? I think it was in the wagon with the, the barrels of dye when they'd left Tanchico. And, like, yeah. um, they were posing as merchants to cross the border into Amitya. There was mention of these Terangriil that they had with them. when we were going... Where the fuck are these Terangryl from? Was it from the Black Archer sisters in Amethyria's, in the Panox palace, or where were they from? And here in this chapter, we find out that they are two that they've actually brought with them from Tyr. Yeah. So they must be Joya and Amika's Terangryl. Yes. And the two mm-hmm. Dream Terangryl that I referenced a couple of times here. And um, and the one from Varen. Yeah, they're from Tyr. They the yeah. best one. And the one from Varen. Yes, the the one that doesn't require channeling.
2: Yeah. And you don't the hear others off, require a channel like Hazy when
0: you're in Telangryl.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Here. Of course, Varin kept that one for herself. Like, I'll keep the best one. No one will know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write books about all these yes. other ones.
0: Thanks, Korean. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anything else for chapter forty-eight? No. Nope. Okay, then we will move on to chapter forty-nine, called "To Boanda. Now, this was a long chapter. Take it away, Moritz. I'm going to try and keep it Very brief, long. Take it away, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stepped on that one. But yes, I'll I'll summarize this one. But I'm gonna try and pretty try and keep it brief. Um and full disclosure, I even took some of it from the chapter summaries on the tavalon.net library, right? Like Don't we <laughs> all <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good, good. Uh, give credit where credit is due. I mean, I'll editorialize obviously somewhat, but um yes. I will be reading some, some lines, verbatim. So, with the help of a couple of Shinaran, um, <laughs> Shinaran scowls, Nineveh tells Captain Nerez that she'll pay him for taking the refugees and um, sort of counts out the payment to him already up front. Um, again, bear with me. I'm going to try and keep this brief because there's a lot of detail, a lot of pages, a lot of words to go through here. So I'm going to hit the high high notes. Um, the mood between Nineveh, Elaine, and Birgitta is still really, really tense. Uh, Nineveh and Elaine gets to use the captain's cabin, apparently because Tom and Julian threatened him um, and everyone else has to actually sleep on the deck of the ship. Uh, Detective Elaine figures that Nerez is probably a smuggler, so Nynaeve blackmails him to ditch his cargo so that the refugees can sleep below deck. Uh, Nynaeve notices that the winds are extremely favorable. (laughs) So it must be Elaine that has channeled, which is something that she learned specifically from the windfinders, how to actually make a boat move. Um, and she confronts Elaine about it or during this time of tension, of course. Um, Elaine reckons they're far enough from Samara and uh, Mogadian to go undetected, but it just drives a further wedge between the two women. Um, Naive is actually angry because Elaine channeled without asking permission. Whoa. Easy now. I mean, Nynaeve, why your neck you the women put on false uh, pleasantries for the benefit of the other passengers, and they seem to fool the men into thinking that they're happy. Uh, but the women on board see that there is trouble beneath the surface, like they can tell when women are putting it on. Um, and I got a note here because, you know, women are smarter than men.
2: <laughs> the, uh, I'm changing my <laughs> new favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the men, like, oh, look how lovely they are. And the women, like, oh, there's trouble there. Oh, th-
0: I think it's like Tom and Julian are like, oh, they must be so glad to be away from Samara. Look how how well they're getting along now. But after a time, the fake smiles turn into an actual softening of their attitudes, perhaps because of the laughable absurdity of it all, but definitely, at least partly, because of the children on the boat. Like, a lot of the women start spending time with the children. Brigitte, especially, is like, you know, playing with them and entertaining them and that sort of thing. Um, Ninive actually muses that she's never been comfortable around children. her quote, they do exactly what you tell them not to, just to see how you'd react. My note can confirm. <laughs> yeah. That I actually paused during reading this moment and just like went on
2: a little thought tangent as well. Like, shit, you know, that's right. I should be less so harsh on my kids when they do that. And what you know, it's uh, like a whole introspective dad moment <laughs> while I was reading that.
1: I'd <laughs> like to excellent to not get off this uh topic because I marked it because I wanted to read it. Because there's no, right, so much in it she's been, she's never really been comfortable around children, true, she wanted to have Lance babies, part of her did. children could make a mess of nothing, they seemed to have a habit of doing the opposite of what you told them as soon as you turned as soon as your back was turned, just to see how you would react. Yet she found herself soothing back the dark hair of a boy no higher than a waist who stared up at her. Owlishly, with bright blue eyes, they look mm-hmm. just like Lan's eyes. I I oh. love how they brought the children yeah. into this. Mm. Yeah, it's cool, eh? As three dads,
0: we all yeah, <laughs> we all resonated with that.
1: I know this has not been the case in any of the other reads. Like it's been, yeah, kids. Yes, what's those? Yeah, that
0: line. Move it along. They do
2: the complete opposite as soon as you turn your back, like every day of my life
0: <laughs> also seem to make a mess of nothing like there's nothing to make a mess with and you turn around and there's a mess oh well done kids i'm not even mad i'm impressed <laughs> yeah jo, i mean yeah <laughs> did you i think you're the only one that might have had kids when we all did our rereads for the brandon sanderson novels when was that 2006 did you have was danny born then my math yeah. is no, shocked I was the Only i trying. No, 2006, Oh, no, uh, Will, you dead. had a kid. Of course mm. you did. Yeah, his kid is a no, man. I a the, the only back. one who had
1: to, a father children long time ago and then did it again. But he's <laughs> been fathering children Old for hand. decades. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> All over
0: the world. <laughs> Almost two decades. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Well done. Um, okay. Nynaeve also gets to do some healing using her herbs and ointments, but also allowing herself to channel a little bit to help with some of the worst ailments. Um, It's mentioned here, sickness always made Nynaeve angry so she can channel. Useful Mm -hmm. for a healer, Mm -hmm. right? Who has to channel only when she's angry. Cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So whenever there's sickness, you're angry. But I mean, we saw that happen when she channeled and um, healed the the maidens that she meets when she meets Avienda. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Remember they were like, traveling yeah. by the side of the riverbank and yeah they were also on a riverboat <laughs> this is yep. a, a theme a lot of good stuff happens for nine around rivers
2: oh i'd like to point out yeah talking about the herbs and Villy's comment earlier like she's got the herbs mm. to make her stomach not so she doesn't have seasickness they work Great right. fennel mm. yeah she doesn't mm. get seasick she doesn't get uh
0: travel sickness or rivers river sick on this joint on no, this journey She doesn't but she, she she does make mention of the fact, like, how does the boat even move like this? It's not even in the sea. <laughs> yeah. It's in a river. You know? <laughs> how is it still doing this? Um, so the woman also hears stories from a number of the refugees, all really sad and downtrodden, right? Like, all the men <laughs> yeah. have basically no hope. The women, none of them actually have husbands there. They're all just traveling by themselves, all with kids. Um, and um, so Nynaeve also starts, like, slipping them some extra silver, and actually hoping that Elaine doesn't notice while at the same time giving Elaine shit for giving them extra money and talking about how quickly Elaine will notice how fast money will, you know, just run away from you. But there are three women in particular that Nynaeve seems to be drawn to and that are also drawn to Nynaeve. And um, we read their names here and a little bit about them. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but we do read about all of them. Again, Later in the story, specifically, like, Nicola is the first yeah. one you read about. I was like,
4: Nicola, Nicola. That, that name rings Rue. a bell. That <laughs> exactly. Sh- I exactly. It
0: sticks, right? Yeah. So she, um, she becomes a novice, Nicola. Um, she had nearly as much channeling potential as Egwene um, and had three known talents. Foretelling, seeing Taverin, and being able to make Quendiar. What a lucky find. Yeah. Serious, serious, serious potential. But because of this, she actually becomes quite greedy for attention and respect. And she disliked Elaine, Egwene, and Nynaeve um, because, people speculate, because they were stronger than her in the power. Because if it wasn't for those three, she'd be the strongest in the power in Mm. Saladar and later at the tower. So um, later, she seems to want to progress her studies much faster. And she tries to blackmail Nynaeve, Elaine, and Egwene about posing as Aes Sedai. But... Egwene basically just scares the shit out of her and stops her from doing it. But she eventually runs away to the tower, thinking that she'll progress faster there. And she causes Egwene's capture by telling the tower everything about the rebels, including their plan with the harbour chain. Nicola is the one that causes the betrayal. Ah, Nicola, Nicola, Nicola. But she's taken in as a novice at the tower. And after Egwene reunites the tower, after like the whole... Egwene being captured, the Sean Chan attack, attack, and she reunites the tower. Nicola's raised to accept it after that. Like Egwene still allows her to be raised, like doesn't hold it against her or anything like that. No, man. We're talking about Egwene. She's awesome. Yeah. I mean, superstar. Um, Arena? 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 What do you guys got for that one? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want. Well, Whatever. She's a Kandori woman who found a way to Ilian and took the oath of the hunters and has lived a hard life since. Um, she's got a fiery attitude and Nineveh thinks that a couple days in her company would set a good example for her. LOL. <laughs> I mean, she's yeah. talking about her fiery attitude and how she like got in trouble because she lipped to some people and Nineveh thinks, oh, a couple days in my company will do good for her. Come on, Nineveh.
3: No.
0: Um, she buddies up to Nicola and um, she actually works with Nicola to try and blackmail Elena Gwain and um, Nineveh. Um, she's super into Begita and later Lan because she really values their um, prowess at martial skills right like mm. a, their sword and their archery and stuff she can't channel so she obviously takes on a, 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 la- a liking in um, in how to fight um, she flees to the tower with Nicola because they become real real tight and she gets a job in the stables and the Wheel of Time companion says that she is bonded illegally as, as Nicola's warder Nicola's not even in a Nice yet. Then the third woman that uh, Nineveh is drawn to is a lady called Marrigan who has two boys with her who just don't speak. Yeah. They seem completely frozen in fear all the time. And that is probably because Marrigan is Mogilean. What? What? <laughs> yep.
2: I did not know that, remember that
0: Neither did I When is it revealed that she's Mogadian? I don't know I don't see I don't think it's long from now i yet. I was reading through this, and I'm like, I should
1: go because Nicola, I do remember, and <laughs> then I was like, I'm like yeah. oh, nah. It's just let me just get through the chapters <laughs> I'll get to that i'll go I can't go and try and find details and snippets of everyone, so Mogadian's on the boat with them.
0: Gideon oh, is on message. the boat fuck. She's on the boat she goes to Saladar
2: yeah because that's where they and capture her there's a her. showdown
0: later in yeah. Telerunriod there's a showdown in Telerunriod and Nynaeve manifests an Adam in Telerunriod and bo- and captures her like that
2: fuck because I remember that, that, that she gets captured and then they have her and they interrogate her in Saladar yes. but I couldn't remember how she got there Yes. On the boat with them yes. from day one. Okay.
0: That's She's up. there. She's with them right now. I mean, yeah, how crazy is that? I mean, they're talking about how it's safe to channel because they're far from Samara and Morgidian <laughs> and all that. She's right there. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. Oh, yes. it out, man. I-, I also I highlighted Nicola's <laughs> name first. And I was like, okay, I'll do a little recap on each one of them. And I was like, Marigan. So like when I you Google Marigan Wheel of Time, and the mm. first thing that comes up is Morgidian. <laughs> Her wiki entry. <laughs> like, oh
3: no. How didn't so then even we have that.
0: Keep that in mind. Um, okay, so then these are the three women that obviously <laughs> obviously take a liking. Now th- this explains the, the behavior of the children as well, right? Because yeah. even when they get to Saladar, they they're not they're not talking. Anyway, so Beggita learns that Elaine really is the daughter heir of Andor because Beggitta was there when, when Elaine tried to convince Susan Sarandon. Mm-hmm. Um and just sort of roll their eyes at her, like, okay, sure, whatever, you know, get over yourself. Um, and here yes, she she learns that it is actually true. Um, the women all wash the dye out of their hair, so they're all turning back to their their natural colour. Um, and when they reach Boanda, most of the refugees get off the boat. But Nicola, Irena, and Mogidian yeah. and her two sons <laughs> asked to travel with Nynaeve. Her child um, captive. Nynaeve conviv <laughs> Yes. A <laughs> little compelled underlings. And Nynaeve convinces the captain to take them to Saladar, and he agrees begrudgingly. Um, He has to travel south anyway, apparently. Um, And on the trip south, Nynaeve thinks back to their first night on the boat when she entered Teleronreard. She stood in the heart of the stone in tear, calling Egwene's name, terrified to death that Mokhedion might be there or might be watching her. I mean, Mokhedion might be standing over her watching her sleep. And yeah. um, when she comes back to the Waking World, she breaks down and she cries feeling like a coward, right? This is a sort of recurring theme mm-hmm. with, with, um, with Nynaeve since the whole showdown with McGillian and Uh Elaine and Birgitta try to convince her that she's not a coward and Elaine and Nynaeve go back into Teleronriod. And then they, they start at the Stone of Tear. They go to the Royal Palace in Camelon, to Eamon's Field and to Elida's Study in the White Tower. I only not the changes in Eamonsfield, a red eagle banner and a wolf banner next to sort of what looks like a, like a war memorial, like a plinth with a bunch of names and stuff on it. Yeah. Um, when going through the documents on Elida and the keeper's table, they learned that Elida knows that Rand has crossed the dragon wall into Kyrian. Mm-hmm. I noted there are only six stools left arranged in yeah. Elida study. She's running out of cronies. And, um, She's Elida's also proposing that they screen potential novices for the, quote-unquote, proper attitudes. Yeah. Like, she would turn novices away, even though she knows that the dragon is reborn because they don't have the proper attitudes. Just shows yeah. you how completely out of touch she is. I mean, obviously, I buy into Egwene's strategy of, like, we need as many women as we can. Open the novice books to women of any age. You remember, like, she she takes away the restrictions. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to be they don't even test women or accept them after a certain age. And that's why the kin and all those guys get to come back, and they all can come into the fold because Egwene's going, we need every single fucking channeler we can find. It is the last battle. Yeah. Yeah, Elida's going, oh, if you don't have the right attitude, you can't join us. <laughs> they return, and so... To the waking world, and Nynaeve is glad that she went back to the world of dreams, almost forgetting about her fears. So they take more trips and they start to practice control of the world of dreams. Um, When manifesting animals, they stop after being chased by a horse with a horn coming out of its nose. (laughs) (laughs) They get chased by a unicorn. Totally, yeah. Is it weird that the first thing I thought a horse with a horn coming out of its nose was a rhino? (laughs) That is weird. And then I read it again, it's like... (laughs) <laughs> yes, because I'm African and then I was like, no, is it a unicorn? they got chased by a unicorn, who's manifesting unicorns in Teleron anyway, Somebody's Scottish, did you know that the, the unicorn
2: is the national animal of Scotland no they put it out to a public vote to choose the, the animal to the public and it unanimously decided okay. to be the unicorn and they did it okay, well that makes sense, yeah. that's amazing thank you for <laughs> so, that Scotland <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. I love
3: it.
1: Just Governments have still not learned. You yeah. do Boaty not McBoat ask Boatface. the general public to yeah. name something. Boaty McBoatface.
0: Wasn't <laughs> there 10 years ago in a South African census when people putting Jedi as their religion? Yes. Because if they got more than 5,000, <laughs> it would become
2: official. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> um, yeah, that Boaty McBoatface uh. didn't quite work. They didn't name the ship yeah, after they that, but they on that named one, one of the, the the escape rafts or whatever they called them. That, they, that was that a Rafty Face. Yeah, they called it Face.
1: This wasn't an insignificant new boat. This is a scientific vessel to go and sail to and from Antarctica and deliver world-changing <laughs> science experiments. And then they said, oh, we need to name this, I don't <laughs> can't remember, $80 billion, $80 million. Worth of metal that they yeah. uh, just just uh, just been delivered, and everyone's they like, should have stuck with it.
0: Yeah, Bodie face, with
1: <laughs>
0: cowards call it Bodie face. Who cares? It's fun.
2: Somebody cared, the guy paying cared.
0: Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Roll back, yes, to a BBC special <laughs> documentary
1: with David Attenborough. Yeah, I'm in the South Atlantic ocean. On Boaty. Yeah. Boatface.
2: Maybe it was him that vetoed the name. I'm not saying that in the next documentary. <laughs> I think
0: he would be all for it. I think he'd have a <laughs> smile on his face while he said it. He's a good dude. Um. All right. So back to fantasy. Mm. <laughs> in Telerunriod, the girls also meet with Egwene and Amis. Um, Egwene tells them everything that's happened since the last time they saw each other. Egwene tells them stuff that she told them before when she had been talking to them in their dreams individually, when she'd been coming into their dreams and talking to them.
1: Mm, But the problem there is that they don't remember not to say anything. So they basically blit on her.
0: Well, like Egwene has to just blurt everything out in this like cavalcade of nonsense. And everyone's looking at her like, even Amit is like, okay, Uh verbal diarrhea much? Uh, when Egwene is telling them what what had happened, that Matt had killed Culloden, Nanib is like, Matt killed Culloden? Matt's leading soldiers? Matt. <laughs> 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 like the Madwino from Iman's Field, not another Matt. Yes. Nanib, you have no idea. Yeah. Egwene and Amis also report what Rand had been up to, or what Rand had been up to, um, that he practices the sword two hours every day with Lan, Two more hours of hand-to-hand ayil fighting, you know, like with no weapon, and one hour a day dedicated to his fledgling university, um, where we Ooh, do learn yeah. about the ballista. So yep. we, we'd seen glimpses of those yeah. spears being fired from the city into the Shido, and here we get mention of the woman that di- invented the ballista. Egwene asks whether Nynaeve and the others are still with Val and Luca, and then they tell their story. Uh, Egwene hints at meeting the two in Sheriam's study afterwards in another little clue that I was much quicker to pick up this time. (laughs) Uh, When Egwene sees Nynaeve and Elaine there, she furiously tells him not to reveal her secret visits to Teleronriad. And she does this in a clever way because uh, she appears behind Sheriam's desk. Elaine and Nynaeve, when they go there, they go to the spot that they would normally be in front of the desk. But when Egwene puts herself there, she puts herself behind the desk. So, like, they're all subconsciously already acting in the leader, subordinate roles, which but was I cool. I didn't notice that. Nice. Elaine takes one more trip to Elida's study, and she learns that Shemarin is to be stripped of the shawl. That's another one of Elida's cronies gone. That's, um, I think, in the beginning of this book, uh, one of the, the one that sort of faints. I think she's a yellow or something, but she, she sort of yeah, but also some of the news or the like mention of her un-
1: Yeah, it's like unheard of
0: that all of a sudden... People don't know. Can
1: she do ISIS that? die. Yeah. Can she do that? Like, geez, Elida is on a power trip
0: of note. Yeah, big time. So that's Nynaeve just reminiscing about their time in Teleron on this boat trip. But after five days of travel, they reach um, a beach close to Saladar. Um, nothing along the shore hints at a village existing anywhere nearby, and the small party starts their way inland, basically Bundu bashing their way through the forest to Saladar. Yep. And I will short-circuit the, uh, <laughs> the callback and just say, it's them basically just chopping their way through the jungle to clear a path to find Saladar. That's the end of that chapter.
2: Yeah, I have a note. Though, the, the, mm. the six, six stools in front of the Elida's uh, table in mm. the study. It's not her losing cronies, it's her whittling away people that she knows she can't trust, stripping them of the stall and stuff. There's not her cronies. Remember, those people originally in front of her ignored her completely when she was having meetings. So she's taking, trying to take control now. She's getting rid of people she that is, she yeah. can't control.
0: Sending them away and hmm. demoting them and stuff. But they were originally her cronies that got her yeah. the vote in the hall. Right? Oh, okay. like they were the ones that walked into Sherium study and shielded her and took Yeah, her that's captain. who she thought were her cronies, but
2: always had yes, their own plans yes. anyway.
0: Sitting there seething at their insubordinates. Billy,
2: what are you researching?
1: I'm bashing the origin of the <laughs> word. It's uniquely South African.
0: <laughs> Is it? Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> thought it might be. Sure. yeah, thick chapter. Not a lot actually happened, but, you know, some more... <laughs> Nothing serious, just Mogadian on the boat with them.
3: It
1: was a, it was an hour plus chapter. It was a lot. Yeah. yeah well, they could have maybe filled that void of okay, what was cool um, Nynaeve doing a little bit of wisdom work and making bolstices mm-hmm. and secretly treating some of the wounded with healing, in this case Uno, mm-hmm. who really yeah. is missing an eye and has a nasty scar at Uh, picked up a nice slice on the other cheek and Mm -hmm. that one there she made a pulse test but she put very little of a heal all solve on it because she's Mm -hmm. like I don't want to waste it and I'm thinking like what do you mean the guy's face is cut up why don't you want to waste it but then she bandages it heavy and she heals him actually and like you do not take this off for three days so Mm -hmm. he eventually when he took it off picked up okay he got some Mm -hmm. magic Magic medicine. Um, mm-hmm. So that that was nice to see that they obviously we um, the, uh, the captain being a um, smuggler, they pretty much blackmailed him to the point to throw all his cargo overboard, which wasn't well accepted, except for mm-hmm. the um, materials, silks and linens and what have you not. Yeah, and he thought like, oh, at least I can keep that. And like, no, no, that's bedding. Uh-uh. For- for the peasants.
0: These uh-uh. <laughs> peasants will be sleeping in silk tonight.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. I like her as well as well. Um, not, Elaine understands the need for throwing it overboard and like and Nynaeve's like yeah, but he's a smug, like he can fuck about his stuff. And she's like, he might be, but that doesn't give you the right to throw all his shit overboard. Like she has a very no. logical way of thinking about it, mm. a very practical way and she understands mm-hmm. where your limits are and where your rights are.
0: Yeah. I think it's an important right.
1: lesson. Yeah. It's because you don't agree with someone's lifestyle or their livelihood or the way that they make their livelihood it doesn't mean that you can take it away from them. If whether it's illegal or you can't just illegal. make
0: unilateral decisions like that and yeah. also
1: break them. I mean you're stealing from
0: him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're stealing from him.
0: And mm-hmm.
1: which is good to see that they do compensate him for it in the end with some of those
0: which line puts There's gaudy jewels. jewels? Yeah, yeah. There's also a lot of um, talk about like uh, Nereus's like misogyny, like oh yeah, he just hates women. Which I don't know what that adds.
1: I have. I'll, I read it, and I thought about it and they were surprised to realize that he has a wife and kids Mm -hmm. and maybe he just has such a angry dominating wife that she's like, you do not, when you, I know sailors and especially in your trade, I mean, you're a smuggler sailor. If you take up with some tavern wench, I will, whatever threat she has, smack you with a pan or, take your life. Uh, Maybe he's just too scared to even make eye contact, but they play it out like he hates all women. Mm. From his point, I think what he really just said is the woman on a ship so descent in a crew, which has been in sailing for even in real life for generations. The minute you put a woman on a boat with 50 working men, I mean, stuff goes wrong it just it didn't work well back in those days
0: i just thought it was a weird uh extra wrinkle to put into his uh. personality like again it didn't seem to like really add anything
2: but Villy makes a point there that's what nynaeve perceives we never get it from his point of view yes yeah, so it's, it's none that of it from
1: him. his point of view it's all just speculation everything out mm. of this is in her mind and it's it, now, Nief does have it's this true. thing about men being stupid, men being this, fool men that always do. Yeah, she's a man-hater.
2: Yeah, she, yeah. maybe that's why. She's and now
1: this guy is basically maybe. like, I don't want to get woman on my boat thinking about his, his riffraff sailors he's got. Probably knowing mm. one of them, maybe two of them's got a history of knocking tavern maids over the head and dragging them into alleys. Uh, thinking Maybe. like, I don't want to deal with that shit on my smuggling vessel, man. I want to sail under the radar and yeah. not sail in the day, pull into coves, hide from authority. I want to do what I do best. I smuggle silk. I mean, he's got spices <laughs> and silk. It's not, it's not like he's smuggling arms to third world country to have battle. It's like I'm just trading sp- curry and cloth. That's what I do. But <laughs> I just don't want to pay under tax. The table. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to pay tax on this stuff. I mean, yeah. is, and then he's got a wife That's back true. home saying, if, if you so much as gaze upon a woman, I will know because you cannot lie to me, Naren. I will find out and I will kick you in the nuts. And as he goes home, he's like, did you look at a woman? Uh, six, I saw one. 16 of them on the boat. What,
3: what, what, what?
1: The only time he looked at them like really is when he got some gold out of the okay, cool. I got some money back. Maybe if I give this
0: to my wife, she'll be appeased. I mean, I think you're right. Like maybe it is just Nineveh's perception of him. It's just, it's mentioned so often, but the entire chapter is out of her point of view. So, what maybe that's
1: we we always ask the question, what's the purpose of this chapter and everything you brought it in? Hmm. Is this, this a, a period from basically joining the menagerie of naive making silly assumptions, s- stupid decisions, mm. and a complete build up that it's gotten so um so out of touch that it's now just unlike yeah, this guy hates women. It becomes like you know, like over the top ridiculous. Like yeah. It's they for they they kicked the guy out of his bedroom. They bullied him. Yes. they bullied him. They bullied him mm. on his boat, they made him throw his entire his stock overboard and mm. and then okay, cool, and he's what the done is guy. fine years he here's some jewels, yeah. and he's the it's bad true. guy. So yeah, it's uh I think this builds up to this greater thing that she's gotta get knocked down so hard now when she gets to Salida. Like that, and mm. I don't even think she she realizes it at this point yet. She's like, "I'm in charge. Oh, no. I <laughs> command this boat. I command all these people. I'm just. I've got t- t- men with blades and sword breakers and bamboo staffs that can whip you on the head. <laughs> Ooh, bamboo so, staffs. Yeah,
0: mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, she she straight up says it. Like, oh, how far she has come crashing down. Uh, the, the next mm. chapter even I think starts with her sort of being. Almost like her head spinning with how quickly th- mm. her, her idea of how she would be received has changed. So speaking of which, should we get on to that? Yeah, sure. Okay, then. Chapter 50 is called To Teach and Learn. Teach us, Jody. Yes, uh,
2: teaching and learning. They arrive in Saladar. Yay! And there was much mm-hmm. rejoicing. Finally. So they've been chopping their way, bundu-bashing, now that everybody knows what that means. (laughs) Um, They were met by some none-too-pleased warders. (laughs) And there (laughs) were some uh, itchy, sword-grabbing Shinarans. Um, uh, But Nynaeve and I think maybe Elaine as well calmed them down. And everything was fine. And they were escorted back to the town. It's not quite going to plan as Nynaeve had <laughs> imagined it would. <laughs> she had this idea that they would be, you know, considered heroes. I mean, they, they've done some amazing stuff. They defeated the Black Aja twice. They fought MacGideon. They've come back with, uh, <laughs> with money and jewels. They found their way back. They're still alive. But they're, they're immediately interrogated for, like, four hours by the, the sitters there, <laughs> um, by Sheriam and Morel and then... Morvrin um, and Anaya yeah. and Bionin and Carlinia. Old Carlinia, I remember speaking about her. Doesn't she get sent on an errand after this, I think? To Rand.
0: Oh, Joe, don't open that door.
2: I think there's no need for callbacks. It's in a previous episode where we confirmed it. Um, okay. Yeah, they are. They, Ny- Nynaeve is starting to regret coming here. Um, this is not what she thought. They're being treated like prisoners already, not, <laughs> not heroes. <laughs> she was way off. <laughs> But as we, as we uh, mentioned before, this is just re- reflects her state of mind, like that like she's great and she's mm. awesome, and everyone should just love her. Uh, meanwhile, back yeah. at the ranch, this is not the case. Um, all their shit has been confiscated, their money, their clothes, their jewels, uh, Brigitte's silver arrow that they had as well, all the toreal, the the seal of the Dark One's prison, everything is like just laid out in front of, on a table in front of everybody, and they're just standing there while the Aes Sedai... Uh, or having a chat behind a, a wall of air to discuss what's going to be done with them next. Um, so this is all going through her head while she's sitting there waiting to be shouted at again, basically. Hmm. Um, they all, like, before they got there, they had agreed on telling a specific story, leaving out some details, keeping some secrets, telling some things that were true, most of them, basically. Uh, they managed to, in in her mind, uh, you know, keep hide some details, especially about fighting Mogidian and how it led to Birgit, you know, in her real identity, they had managed to, to mm. hide that away. And also that they've been posing as full Aes Sedai the entire time. That hasn't come out. Um, but it doesn't look like the Aes Sedai actually believe anything they've said, especially this Carlinia; She's just like, if you say, if what you say is true, like every sentence of her starts like that. If this is true, if what you say is true, then she's, she's not buying it. Um, and Nynaeve is also surprised to see that uh, Swan and Leanne are alive and and there in the room with them as well um and she's she's looking at them and she's know- senses that there's like a like a like a chill between the two of them that they're they're mm-hmm. uh, they're not as good of friends as they used to be but she also notices like little glances between them she's super aware she is becoming pretty icy herself in that respect uh she's also aware she's... of them being have being stilled like there's an a noticeable ap- absence of something, a lack. Um, she describes it as like a wound, like something's been cut away. And she's immediately mm. curious about that. She's like, Ooh, what has been cut away? Like, I'm going to find out what the hell happened there. I want to yeah. see, can I, can I heal it? If something's been cut, surely you're going like, to put it back together or something. She even embraces the source to like reach out and delve her without even thinking. Yeah. Um, Can't but help yourself. No, no. But Sherriam's like, Hey, hey, uh, accepted. Who the hell gave you? Uh, permission to channel right here and she's like oh shit and that's that point Morris, where you mentioned she's realized like oh fuck then my freedom is gone now because she just jumps to it she's like oh like my, mm-hmm. my apologies uh sherems to die and everything she's immediately cowed and then realizes oh my my days of running around the countryside doing what i want ordering people around are done it's the end and she's yeah finding it hard to yeah. to readjust and to, you know they're being basically treated like children and they tell them like you know you are acting like children and you're lucky we don't spank you. And I thought to myself, well, of course Robert Jordan would <laughs> slide in a little spanking there. <laughs> a spanking reference. Um yeah, so the Aes Sedai just been basically questioning them and questioning them for hours. Uh they they want to know about this uh Begit this this woman that's with her with a silver bow. It's all very, it's all very on the nose. The Adam as well, like holy shit, like about mm-hmm. that. They want to know about Tel and the dream to Unreal. And it's it's telling you yeah, as well. Like you forget, you know, well, because we've been so far away from the tower for so long, and I said I that they know nothing about Tel Like we're so familiar with it no. through our reading. And they're yeah. like, Wow, this is just like a story we read about in the tower. Hasn't been a dream walker yeah. or anybody in centuries and and here we are, like the last two books. It's just everyone's in Talanrirad meeting all the time, cruising around. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, like from Iguane, Nynaeve, Elaine, the Wise Ones, all the time. And it it's, it took me yeah. back. Like I had to. Like I was shocked again to realize. Oh, of course, yeah, they know nothing about this. So to them, yeah. it, this it, is like the it's biggest. It's a major fight ever.
0: part of the story. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a powerful, powerful medium through which to affect change like battles happen happen in Telerunriod people eventually start you know creating gateways and going there in the flesh not to mention all of Perrin's stuff that he does and the dream spike you know that in the world of dreams prevents people from channeling in the real world you know that is huge that Isidai would be nowhere if it wasn't for these girls like figuring out Telerunriod and what to do there and stuff I mean it is yeah it's Uh, a huge part of the story
2: and we've got these to You just wear them at night and you go to sleep and off you go. Some of them you have to channel, but yeah. we can all do that. So it's not a problem. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, not to mention there's no need for those useless fucking pigeons anymore when you can just meet in the in the dream world and have a chat. What's happening? Oh, this is happening and that is happening. Oh, cool. Thanks. Cheers. So yeah. not to mention the communication is going to become increasingly uh, more effective Yeah. Mm. So there's that. So the, the t- Ungrill and the Telunreal is really like the the biggest uh, mic drop for them, at least. Uh, Swan is also being questioned as, as like, because that amongst all of their things is that letter that Swan gave them with the sealed, you know, mm-hmm. he, whatever this person, whatever the bearer does is in my name. Let them do whatever the fuck they want. And they're like, how dare you do that? And Swan's basically telling them, like, listen, when I wrote that letter, I was the fucking Ambulance Seed. I can do whatever I want. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but they were very upset that she sent three accepted to chase the Black Aja by themselves. Um even though they kind of dominated the Black Aja. <laughs> so quite a few of them are dead. Uh they've stolen their shit, they fought Megideon. Uh, and what her
0: justification is that she couldn't trust anyone. And yeah. Sheriam, standing right in front of her
2: <laughs> yeah. is Black, Black Aja. Udder. Exactly. She's yeah.
0: right. Proving the point. Exactly. of course she can't admit that.
2: Yes. Like if I had told you they these these three would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, they they are the I said are super interested, like I said, in this in these dream to ungrill. They want to use it to spy on Elida, basically, which is a good thing. Uh they want to contact uh this is where um Leanne says, like, yeah, but you can use these to Ungrill as well to contact Moraine now. She is uh you can do it through Egwene, because Egwene's the Dream Walker. Like with all this information is mm-hmm. great. Like you we've stumbled upon a gold bin We can contact we can contact Moraine through Egwene, and she's right next to Rand, the dragon reborn. Like, this is, this is a game changer for us. Um, mm. And they're also, like, just blown away to learn about the Aiel, that they are dreamwalkers, that some of the wise ones can channel. And I'm just thinking, like, this is just more this Aes Sedai ignorance. Um, yeah. Now, while they, are, they should be in charge of people like Nynaeve and then take her down a peg or two, they themselves are just so, so arrogant about how the world works. They're surprised mm-hmm. that the Aiel's wise ones can channel like the, no one else can channel except us kind of an attitude. They're surprised when we yeah. learn about the kin and all of that stuff. Like, so yeah, mm. this is more of the, more of the same, uh, Sherry, just Massive says just blind spots. Yeah. Blind spots, man. So Sherry, orders 90 and Elaine's like, you guys will teach us how to use these to ungrill to enter the world of dreams. Um, nine is worried. Of course, that like once they do teach them that they'll take away this young girl, and they'll never be able to go to the world of dreams again or chat with, uh, meet with Egwene and all of that, that all that time all that will be taken away from them once once the said I Sedai learned that. Um which is true, I suppose. And look, Nynaeve has had a really bad time in Tel Andriod. Maybe it's best she doesn't <laughs> go back. Maybe she should take a break. Um it's decided that in that meeting as well that look they, they all agree that <clears throat> Nynaeve and Elaine can't be held accountable um for being uh, sent out of the tower that they were under command from their from the uh from Swan at the time. Mm. But all that shit is now over. It's done. Put that behind you. You're gonna go back to being accepted. You are going back to your studies. Uh, and you can forget about all your adventures and whatnot. And this is like the final nail in that coffin of the of that freedom coffin. Weird analogy, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a freedom coffin. <laughs>
3: uh,
2: but anyway, yeah, back to you know, back to what it was before. <clears throat> so Interrogation yeah. is, is done. They, they were dismissed uh, and sent over. So they continue talking to Stu Swan and Leanne after that. Um, but before they do uh, Spionin, is she a brown, I think? She brings the topic back to, to the seal, or the Dark One's prison. Let's mm. not forget that. We spoke about that in a previous chapter, that it was still in one piece when Elaine yeah. packed it up. Well, naive packed it up in, in, the, in the menagerie. But now that they've arrived in Salador, it's broken. And they've actually yeah. been able to crumble it with their, with their bare hands, the, the Aes Sedai. Yeah. And they want to know, as nani was telling them, like, look, I tried to touch it because it was like evil emanating from it when I was there. But now that evil is gone. They can't feel it. No, nani can't feel it. And the Aes Sedai don't feel yeah. anything either. So um, it's shattered, even though it's made of quendi And they confirm that it is actually quendi Some of the Aes Sedai, they uh, delve it or whatever. And they're like, yeah, it's totally this. So this, none of this should be um, possible, of course. Yeah. Um, so they like first blame them for not taking care of it. <laughs> and Elaine's like, we didn't take care of it because it's made of fucking Quendi-Yar. You we know? like, didn't think <laughs> we needed to be super, super careful with it. It's supposed to be indestructible um then they they talk about that um as well like well how many seals are are still left and anaya um, is the one that says like yeah i think there's like according to her information there's three seals that are still left intact callback how does she know that i mean i know we know it but we've been reading about everybody everywhere how does she know there's three seals i mean she's got eyes and ears Mm -hmm. i imagine
1: all over the place everything that they found was taken to the Remember every one of the seals made its way to the tower. Yeah, mm. yeah. Look, I've lost track of the seals.
2: I know in, in like episodes ago we decided like yeah we should keep track of everything. <laughs> that didn't last very no. long. No, no. Anyway, <laughs> someone will remind us. I'll try and do a roundup. <laughs> well, anyway, three of them uh, are still whole, and then everybody's like, "Did yeah. I
0: read correctly? What? Or did um, Nynaeve, Did she say that in Tanchico the seal did not have that?" evil sort of emanating from it. I don't recall that.
1: No, I, I took it like she's saying that they didn't handle it because you if, if you've held it it felt like evil. So they well, she purposely she avoided the sealed. Yeah, she picked it up
0: and hmm. um because I was just thinking like okay if in Tanchico it didn't have that And then in the menagerie it did and now it's broken. That would be troubling because that feels like a very recent like swelling of power. Like something is pointedly like forcing its way onto it in a very short period of time. Like almost like it's located. I know where it is. Target it. Break it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm not not sure of what I read there. Mm.
2: No. The worry then in the room is that, look, there were seven and now there's three. Is three enough to hold the Dark One in his prison? Like, the more he breaks, fr- the more seals he breaks, the easier it gets to break the others that are left. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of concern. Like, <laughs> the shit is happening, you know. Yes. Uh, Randall 4 is the dragon reborn. The, the seals are broken. The Dark One is coming. Tormund Gaidon is here. We, we've we got to make a move. We've got to do something. So, that's basically where the uh, the interrogation ends. Um, they send Nynaeve and Elaine out. Yeah. Um, to the common room there where they meet old uh, Tom and Julin as well. Uh, Uno is also there. And all three of those dudes are like, listen, we got to get out of here. How, like, how are we going to get out of Salador and go away uh, and get free of this? And Nynaeve and both Elaine and naive are, you know, look at each other and start thinking and they both decide, no, look, we got to stay here. Naive, of course is just thinking about like, she hates Aes Sedai obviously, but she needs to stay here. She needs to be able to study with the yellow Aja and she's noticed in Saladar that there are, uh, three, at least that she saw yellow Aja sisters, uh, Therva Meresis, Nassau Dashan mm. and Dagara Finchi. One of those is apparently the greatest healer. I can't remember which one that the towers ever had. All oh, right. Dagdara. Okay. That's the one. Thank you. Um, so she is not going anywhere. She's like, she wants to get back to Rand and Egwene and go and help them, but she wants to get back to Rand to be able to do something to not just stand there and watch him go insane. So she wants to be able to help him with that insanity. So she needs to learn. So she's not going anywhere. Um Elaine also would like to stay in Saladar. She also wants to to learn and can do more from there. So um they like, you know, thanks for the offer, guys, but um you guys can go you guys should actually should go go to Kyrie and go help rand he's going to need all the help he can get tom with a game of houses and uh, julian with his bamboo stick i suppose i don't know what julian's going to do there <laughs> he'll be he'll be helpful he's a pretty good pretty good um fighter um but then all three of those dudes uno as well he's they're like well you know maybe we'll we'll stay too you know why not and they're like listen we can see through your shit guys you're still trying to hold on to your oaths to Rand and to Moraine and to everybody to, to look after us, but we don't need looking after anymore. We're fine now. We're, we're, um, you know, we're in our, at our, at home, basically we're surrounded by Isodine waters. You guys can go, but no, they decide they are going to, to stay there uh, and keep an eye on the girls, I suppose. Well, the women now I keep referring to them to girls, but I'm an old man. So deal with it. Um, I keep
0: doing it as
3: well.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, my forties, these girls are like 20. They're, they're girls. Um, um, Brigitte is there too oh and Min oh, shit I forgot to mention Min Min was the only person that was happy to see them return and she keeps mentioning it I'm so glad to see you guys so glad to see you guys there's no friendly people in this place they're all mean um, so she's just happy to see them they're trying to like um, there's, a, there's a line here again which is more pertinent now that you've mentioned uh, that Marigan is Mogidian uh, they're trying to play with the boys her boys those two boys to get them to like do something. They're trying to, like, Bageet's trying to juggle like, uh, like Tom and stuff, but these kids are just wide eyed, freaking the fuck out. I wonder if they're, yeah. if, if you say that they're compelled or if they got like some inverted weaves of air around them that they can't speak or, and they just, they just freaking, maybe they saw so, and kill with. their mother and assume her yeah. identity. And they just, mm-hmm. they're going to be traumatized for life. and Yeah. This is some crazy shit. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, of course, naive and Elaine tell Brigitte there, like, listen, we were we managed to keep your secret safe, like, you yeah. you weren't outed, and Brigitte is like visibly relieved, and I would imagine so, being surrounded by all these Sedai and borders and whatnot, yeah. like her secret safe. I mean, it's pretty fucking obvious who she is. Uh, she looks exactly like Brigitte from the story. She has a bow. She has a silver arrow lying in front of on the table in front of everybody. But still, has she know. taken
0: back her
1: name now as well? Uh, I don't recall is that in a yes. previous chapter Did she already? yeah, it was in the previous chapter on the exactly. boat already she's taken her name back.
2: this is Begit. no, no relation to Begit Silver Bow, even though she has a silver bow, yeah, that's weird anyway, it's mm-hmm. kind I suppose it's kind of like you know the whole bright Superman Clark Kent thing' it's, oh it's Superman with glasses now no one knows who he is, so also,
0: also yeah? is from like ages ago, right yeah. like it's impossible. To to everyone that would meet her. Like it yeah, cannot it's an impossibility. It cannot be the same person.
2: Yeah. It's just someone who loves the story so much that she's emulating her, maybe, or something. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, look, by now they've seen some really weird shit. You know? Anything's possible. Also true. Um, yeah, the whole time that they're having this chat, there's uh Murrell's warders are like there's two of them having a chat behind them uh, leaning against the wall. Um and obviously, been assigned to to keep an eye on them, but not not pretending not to as well. But Nynaeve notices yes. it as well. And guess who else is there? Our favorite, accepted Phelan. She <laughs> oh. Oh. she comes in, <laughs> pushing people around, grabbing Arena. Uh, I'm going to call her Arena. Maybe not Arena. Arena <laughs> and and Nicola. She says like, "Listen, come with me." Just grabs them and tries to drag them away. And of course elaine and i and you step in between like what the fuck are you doing like um yeah they have a chat with her you can't just drag this these people away she's like no i'm under orders from sherry to go have these tested we're testing everyone now uh they've they've actually uh oh, there's a funny line um as soon as F- F- a er, arrives elaine goes season goes hey are you still souring milk for a hobby fail i just thought <laughs> awesome <laughs> well done <laughs> 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 um so yeah, they find out while they're chatting to to uh to Feelane, who apparently is still a huge cow, that uh i have been sending out search parties based here in Saladar looking for women who can channel the nearby towns, and they've found three so far. One a wilder uh, in the in the way that Feylaine mm. says it's uh she still she says hates wilders disgust. and like in disgust. And Nynaeve's like right there. She kind of like glances at Nynaeve a little bit, like oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I don't think she really cares. Um, so yeah, anyway, she takes off the two, takes Nicola and and Arena to go be tested, um, and uh, Swan and Leanne come out of their little interrogation room, uh, and Nynaeve notices them come out, and she still notices that they they look like they hate each other, but she's a she sees a tiny little flicker between the two of them. They like um, Swan looks at Leanne with a kind of look of of sympathy or something. And then they separate ways. And she's she's onto them already. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Swan walks over, joins them. And then, of course, uh, Gareth Brown also joins the group, to which Swan is none too pleased. Um, but he's there mm-hmm. to ask Uno for help. He's like, hey, you guys have the best heavy cavalry in the world. Would you help us train these dudes here? And he's like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything. Sure, why not? I've got time to kill. <laughs> so he joins them. Um, Brian obviously immediately recognizes Tom and they have this conversation that is full-on Game of Houses talk, uh, all under the guise yeah. of playing Stones, uh, the Game of Stones and whatnot and whatnot. So to, to Naini, from her point of view, she's like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? They're having a full-on conversation about like, we're not going to get in each other's way. We're going to, you know, I'll do my thing, you do your thing, I'll support you. But basically like... Mm-hmm. Because Gareth, of course, and Tom both had a crush on well, I say more than a crush on on Morgase. Um and you yeah, know, as we know, Tom had Kings murdered and whatnot in him for her. So there's a lot of there's a lot of history between those two, and they they know each other very well, but they'd say, like, all right, we're both gonna hang around, but we won't get in each other's way,
0: basically. Tom pushed Morgaze over the edge to the point where she sent Gareth Bryan to capture him and clap him in mm-hmm. irons. And Gareth Bryan has been searching for Tom. Ever ah, since. Ever and since. here he is.
2: <laughs> oh, here I am. He, I he's the guy you. that got away. Ah, But that was like 20 years ago now. That's a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm still mm-hmm. holding a bit of a grudge. That's why it's so dangerous for Tom to go to Camlann.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and why he doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. Now, of course, we know Gareth knows Elaine. And Elaine's there too, but he just basically ignores her. She's, she goes up to him to have a conversation. She's like, I heard what happened with my mother, you know, that my mother can get all hot headed and whatnot. I'm sure we can like cause her, you know, we can chat to her. We can get her to change her mind. And she, she, she made a mistake and whatnot. But Gareth, know says one line to her and he says, what's done is done. And then just ignores her and carries on talking to, to Uno mm-hmm. and Tom. And she's very taken aback by this. So he kind of like, he's not in the mood to talk to her right now, being the daughter of the, of more gays, No, I assume she's, she just needs to take it easy, but she does, she backs off. She's not going to press the situation. Um, after that little situation, uh, Swan takes Nynaeve. She takes her for a little chat uh, in a, in, a, in one of her little rooms. And that's where Nynaeve gets gets a sense of, you know, people being taken down a peg or two. Like Swan used to be the emerald seat. And she's in a room now. Like one of the tables in the corner is being held up by a brick under her leg. And she's got like a pallet mm-hmm. on the floor. And she's really, yeah. really hit rock bottom. But still you know, scheming and working and doing everything. And Nynaeve realizes like shit, like you know, this is my reality now too. Like if Swan is this low, where the fuck am I, basically?
0: And also if Swan can fall this far, mm. I can also be okay. Like nah, you know, I suppose. Nynaeve's constantly thinking about how far she's fallen from like mm. where she was adventuring and stuff. Swan was the eminent seat. And she's fallen to this in this room with the pallets on the ground and stuff. And I, I, I get the sense that she also feels like, Okay, well if she's still operating and she can fall this far and still continue, like I should buck up. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I suppose I never thought about from that from that perspective. I just thought about the uh just the realization that, you know, you could there's a long way to go <laughs> to the bottom.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. So Swan's there. She wants to, naive to teach her how to use the dream to ungrill. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Isn't that what everybody wants? Uh, yeah, of course she's just as interested in the world of dreams for her own, uh, manipulation tactics. She has d- different plans to the eyes to die, but she's like, listen, you better teach me. And if you don't teach me, I am going to reveal that you and Elaine and Egwene have been posing as full sisters while you're out in the world. um, Nynaeve is shocked to see this, uh, to, to hear this, right? And it was also just a guess on Swan's part that they were doing this. Um, an educated guess, nonetheless. But Nynaeve's reaction basically mm-hmm. confirms it for her. But Nynaeve is also, she's, she's uh, developed a backbone over these last couple of weeks and months out there. So she doesn't want to be bullied anymore. She's not taking this shit from Swan. She's not the ambulance seat anymore. So she says, listen, if you expose us, I'm going to expose you and Leanne. Uh, I've noticed what's happening between you guys. You guys are just pretending. You guys have been scheming and manipulating the Aes Sedai behind their backs. And if you out me, I'm going to out you. And this is also on Nynaeve's part, just a hunch. But the reaction mm-hmm. from Swan, which is absolutely no reaction whatsoever, tells her like, "Yep, she's she's hit it on the nose. This is it. Like their hostility is a is a total masquerade. It's it's all been uh, it's all been a well a masquerade." <laughs> so anyway. Um, yes <laughs> I've already said that <laughs> So Nynaeve is like Listen, okay I, I still I will I will teach you um, To use these Dream to Ungrill And go into have No problem But You are going to let me Study you And Leanne And Logan, Because I've heard He's here too By the way We haven't seen him yet And find out What's happening With this stilling And this gentling I'm going to be I want to find out What's going on Swan is actually Impressed by Nynaeve's backbone in this situation. She even comments on like, well, I hope Moraine's had better luck uh, with Egwene keeping her more malleable in this, in this situation. Because <laughs> this is not happening. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Moraine's looking at Egwene as an equal almost now. Yes. All right. So they have their little thing. Then we move over to Elaine's point of view. Um, <clears throat> she's gone after Min. Because Min, when Gareth Bryan arrived, he was like, "I need my my laundry done." He has a bunch of shirts, to which um, uh, Swan just gives it to Min. It's now Min's job, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. They, uh, so they, she's gone off to go wash the wash his shirts. Um, on their way there, they they see Leanne inside the stables, um, cozying up to some dude who looks like a blacksmith or something, and she and uh, Min's telling her like, "Yeah, she's been doing that a lot with a lot of different men." So I don't know exactly what that part of the plan is between her and um and Swan, I don't know Leanne's part in this and how it involves all these men. I don't know if you have any insights into that, but anyway, this line is important. It's there for a reason.
1: She's practicing her uh yeah. Ther- I don't think she's practicing. Yeah. I think she's, she's a,
2: Yeah, no, she's Dimani done practicing. Sweet. She is She's got it back. I don't think it's just practice. I think she's manipulating these men to get something. This dude's a blacksmith in People a stadium. People are noticing
0: like, how she's moving and like mm. her whole way has changed.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I mentioned earlier that Nynaeve notices dresses. Is she not just holding on to that as like... No. Remember, to keep not dying from the stilling, you've got to find something to focus hard on to keep you motivated. Like Swan is like dedicated to... Climb the ladder and to the cause of the the coming guide Gai'don. Uh, yeah, but Leanne, Leanne
2: and Swan are working on that together. She's loving
1: flirting.
3: Yeah, okay. uh, but
0: also, I, I mean, know. this is Min telling Elaine mm. that there are strange people coming to see Swan and Leanne all the time. Mm. Is this not the Amelun's network of eyes and ears? Perhaps, which Swan has still retained.
2: Yeah, I mean, but um, Leanne wouldn't have to cozy up to these men and r- brush up against them and use her her her, her wily ways. Uh, I, I mean, the, the thing is that this dude's a blacksmith. He's in a in a stable. I'm thinking maybe they're trying to build up some friends to be able to get some horses and escape from there or something or go do their thing to get out of there. Since they're not Aes Sedai, there's like limited things that they can do there. Maybe they're looking to, to gather support so that they can leave. It's a the theory. Get to Rand and make, you know...
0: Ooh, I don't know. Mm, mm. I don't know.
2: Anyway, I just thought it was noteworthy.
0: Mm, for sure. I mean, like everything, it's put in there for a reason, right? You would assume.
2: Yeah, like most stuff. What if mm. it, Just because we can't figure out what that reason is, that's, uh, that's not to say it there isn't It could one. just
0: be to create an opening, a reason for Min to tell Elaine that strange people have been coming to see them. Uh. I, I certainly read it as like, Very vaguely stating that Leanne and Swan are still operating. They're still busy doing something. I don't think it's to escape necessarily because, I mean, I think Swan wants to be where the action is and where, like, you know, decisions are being made and to manipulate at the the highest level. I don't know. If she um, wanted
2: that, she would be be by Rand. She wants to get to Moraine because that's why she wants to go into the world of dreams so she can contact Moraine. (laughs) She better hurry. It's not going to be possible for much longer. Uh, Moraine's
0: there, so she doesn't need to be there. I think she trusts Moraine to continue doing what she's doing.
2: All right. Speculation Don't abounds. Mm. Mm. Um, Min also brings up uh, the fact that she's had a viewing about Nicola, Arena, and Marigan, but she only saw it at like the corner of her eye, and all she can say is it's trouble. <laughs> and based on what you told us earlier, Moritz, she's spot on. Uh, maybe fulfilled. laying it down. <laughs> a little bit yeah. more than trouble. So, yeah, but she can't define it any better than that. But that's, we, that's all we need. Um, <clears throat> Elaine wants to talk to Min about her viewings about Rand and these three women <laughs> that she's going to have to <laughs> share him with, or two women uh, that she has to share him with. So Min actually comes out and says, like, all right, the truth is, I am one of those, of those women. And this is the first time that, that she, she admits it to Elaine. And Elaine is kind of shocked about it, obviously, uh, but realizes, like, hey, if it's going to be anybody, I like you. I'm glad it's you and not some other weirdo that I don't know. She, she's glad it's mm-hmm. not Barry Lane, <laughs> for one, that yeah. that's not the third person. Cause they, but then she asks her, like, so who, if you, it's you and I, who's the third woman? But Min says, look, she doesn't know who it is. All she knows is that she has a temper. And I'm like, well, that doesn't narrow it down at all <laughs> let's hope it's not naive uh or Bear Lane, she says at that moment um she of course doesn't like the idea of sharing him but um and neither does Min but Min says like listen her quote is like it shames me to admit it but I will take him way I can get him she can't help how she feels she is besotted with him and she like she has to share him she has to share him the lines are hard mm-hmm um so yeah they both agree like listen there's nothing we could do about it he is to the pattern has woven it this way we like each other so we're just going to go with it all right so yeah. uh they get to the washing station as well um the laundry station at least and all their novices are there so elaine without even thinking starts channeling to help with the laundry like lifting clothes up and throwing in water and freaks out the other novices there because of course she has forgotten again <laughs> being away so long that they're not allowed to use the one powerful trivial things um, but also that how powerful she is, that she is doing multiple different weaves at the same time without even thinking about it. And this is something that most full Aes Sedai, especially even there in Saladog, can't do at all. And she's doing it without even thinking. Just a little reminder about how, how much she's progressed in the One Power as well. And raw strength,
0: like Just, lifting yeah. the cauldron full of water mm-hmm. and stuff. Like It's yeah. noted that like the novices are looking at her like, whoa, she <laughs> can do that? <laughs> yeah while she's
2: having a conversation <laughs> she's not even concentrating yeah. fully on it exactly yeah. so the speculation between them while they're doing this washing is like who can this third woman be and Elaine is like oh, I hope Avienda's is taking good care of him
0: <laughs> Like, oh she is
2: <laughs> real good care don't worry she's keeping an eye on him <laughs> and uh, that's how this more than ends. A
3: yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm glad that they sort of acknowledge the Taverin thing here when they're talking about, like, there's going to be three women in love with him and they, they sort of acknowledge, well, he is Taverin because it would be like, I don't even know what to call it, but to, for an author to write a male character that is just so alluring that yeah. three <laughs> female on. protagonists have to be in love with him, right? Yeah, a- At least they acknowledge that Taverin is, is playing a role there. Yeah, all right, yeah. Anything I missed? More details?
1: I think you actually done a bang-up job on that one.
0: Yeah, you sure did. Um, Swan has a visible reaction to hearing that Varen gave the girls the stone ring Tarangril. So Swan must be thinking, oh, I thought Varen was an ally. Shit. Yeah. It's a thing that yeah. she hasn't told me. Nobody knew about it. And uh, Nynaeve
3: noticed... Now, Beren's the only person
0: that knows about that ring. She
1: she knows it was off the books. Was.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Min looks different um, in a way that Nynaeve can't put her finger on. She's probably wearing makeup.
2: She was wearing rouge. Yes, there was a notice there. And her... She's got, like, embroidery. Mm -hmm. She's still dressed in breeches and stuff, but she's...
0: Just flowery a Bit of embroidery on the jacket <laughs> yeah. now. Makeup, longer hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a good chuckle at uh Reagan and a few others that already uh already have some horses marked out for borrowing. For <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> <Like> the borrowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These guys are already they're like yeah, the, the waters would be facing outward, right? Like they're, they're yeah. defending the town. We, we, could, we could borrow a couple of horses. We could be out of here. Don't worry about it. We've already... Like, they've just got there. We've already eyeballed a couple of horses for borrowing. All <laughs> Not a couple. 15 20. Shinarans. <laughs> 20
2: horses. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're going to steal 20, 20 horses from waters. Yeah, good, good luck, bro.
0: Uh-huh. So good. Um, so Dagdara mm. apparently... More powerful in healing than any two other Aes put together. Not included mm-hmm. at Matt's healing? Was she there? She might have been she away. She was not. She, like in the tower, I mean,
2: Maybe. she might have been on an errand or something.
0: Uh, my other note here, it's probably for the best
2: because she is Black Arger. God damn it, Moritz. Moritz, bearer <laughs> of black news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you like this person? So keep an eye out. Our friend. She's she's actually she's around when Nynaeve um heals um Leanne and Swan of Stilling. Yeah. And she has and, sort and of like okay. a weird reaction to, to Nyeneeve. Yeah. Um so yeah, keep an eye out. She's Black Archer, So when she says something and acts in a certain way, keep that in mind. We'll do. Um Swan is sort of stoked with herself after her interaction with um oh not Swan, sorry. Nynaeve is sort of stoked with herself after her interaction with Swan, saying, you know, like, for the first time in ages, someone tried to bully her, Yeah, failed, which is hopefully now the end of that one aspect of Nynaeve's sort of insecurity and stuff. I doubt it, but sure. (laughs) Still another (laughs) nine
3: books.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Then my last note here was just, um, I'm just glad for Min that she came clean to Elaine mm. about being in love with Rand um, and that Elaine took it well. It's like just another little weight off her shoulders.
2: I'm also stoked for Moon that she's got some friends because she has just been dragged yeah. around. Oh, yes, during this conversation, she's explaining how she got there. And she's like, oh, yeah, I sprang them from the cells under the tower and snuck them out of the white mm. city. And like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. I can imagine the, them hearing that and going like, wow, well done.
1: And what, what thank did she
2: get for it?
0: Doing Zero. Zero.
2: Doing laundry.
1: At
0: least she gets to go hang out with Rand the longest out of anyone.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she goes through some shit, eh? But that must be in the next book where she gets to Rand. Because she's... Uh... Well, Rand spends a lot
0: of the next book in a box,
2: doesn't he? He does. Well, the, not a lot of it. Because that uh, Dumais Wells is in like chapter 50-something. 50 53, if I'm not mistaken. So he's a lot of time in Kyrian in the beginning. Isn't isn't the next book where uh kinda I know who I'm asking, I realize. Yeah, here we go. Cat <laughs> Swain shows up in the next book? Doesn't she show up in Kyren? Well, I got no idea. <laughs> I realize Kyren, okay. maybe. Hmm. Because Min is there too, because I remember Min's by his side when Cat Swain's there. Yeah, I suppose. Some interesting shit coming up.
0: Oh yes. I mean books worth. <laughs> and books and Books and books and books. <laughs> millions of words still to go yeah millions do you have anything else to add there Vol? no I think just the uh,
1: the interaction between Tom and uh, Gareth was great it um, really was it's, it was stand out for me because there, there's a deep history there um, mm-hmm. th- he might as well just pull the sword but I mean he's been kicked out if he was still working for Magrace I think he would have
0: But then he wouldn't have been
1: there. So it is what it
0: is. I'm purposefully not saying much because (laughs) it is my favorite moment.
2: (laughs) 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 Don't even have to have a favorite moment section at the end. It's already out.
0: I mean, two of us have already spilled the beans. Yeah. We'll
3: leave
2: it for Vili. Vili, don't say anything except this last chapter. Summarize that for us. I'm looking at I've got this
1: last, oh gosh, this last chapter.
2: I'm gonna just lean back and and bask in it now. Go, 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 go.
0: Drink it in. Chapter fifty-one is called "News Comes to Kyrian." Take it away, Vinny. All
1: right. Well, uh, feel like you can chime in at any moment because this is a <laughs> incredibly big chapter. There's there's the short of reading the whole thing verbatim. There's a lot to cover here. Uh, we hmm. in Rand's perspective, we are in the city of Kyrian and. Rand is taking a break from a couple of hours of meeting that's already run past with the Carinian and Terran nobility. And while he's just sucking on his pipe, he's got uh, the young uh, Salander. S- 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 sure, Salander? Salamander. <laughs> S- Salamander. Salandy. Anywho, she comes and squeezes her bosom up against his arm and he's just puffing away at his pipe and he must be thinking to himself, like, this is relentless. It's nonstop. Now, this turns out to be the 10th or the 20th, he can't remember, of young nobility that has tried to bed him. Uh, Some of them have tried to come into his chambers and the maidens chucked them out. One unlucky (coughs) one uh, was found by Avienda and she was dragged out by her hair, so <laughs> it's they they playing, Dias and Mar, mixed in with Love Island at the moment to try and get into <laughs> to Rand's favours. Now she's telling him about oh it's so hot and what what what. Uh, I know about this cool place where we can swim and be alone, and but you'll have to help me because I've never I have never learned to swim, so Rand pulls her it puts the lotion in the skin on her (laughs) and tells her about the taint and he will wrap her up and help her sermon she is shitting herself to the point of running away look she's white faced like he and when she's gone he laughs (laughs) it's (laughs) like too too easy
0: (laughs) this game is is just too easy uh, and not the laugh of like a sane, collected man either. You no, know, like no. he is acting no. badly. <laughs>
1: and and into, she does he's... run away
2: into re, into a pillar, into one of the columns. Thanks,
0: Like
1: a slapstick oh, comedy, man. Yeah, so Rand re-enters his meeting and wants to find out more about uh, the grain movements and. What's happening in Ilian, there's news from uh, the boundary with Andor that now Andoran soldiers have been coming across doing raids on that end under the um, order of the king, who is Gabriel, Mm -hmm. uh, but we all know that's Mm -hmm. Ravin. And Rans is stuck at the point, he's he's had enough of meetings, Um, but dismisses everyone, but Lady Colavia, because he's like, no, no. I know that all these young so now I know he's messing with her, like all these young girls, but he's he's after experience. So you will come and dine with me tonight. It will be private Mm -hmm. dining and uh, then we can have a chat. And she's oh shit. (laughs) Rand playing them all like fiddles there at the moment. Uh, With them then being excused, Rand is joined by Moraine um, and Avenda and Egwene. Uh, Moraine has two letters that were sent from Tavalon. Both arrived at that day and Rand's like, he's in a foul mood as well. So he, oh, yeah. he goes off on a tangent, like if, if they were arrived today and they were sent to me, why do you have them? So he's, uh, he's really not holding back at this. He opens the first one, which is addressed to the Dragon Reborn. And the whole thing is basically from Elida. Very short and sweet, basically. Uh, but they want to get him to the tower and they're sending an emissary over to come and collect him, and uh, they will make sure that he makes it to the last battle. And Rand's like, yeah, I I bet they're probably sending 13 sisters to come and (laughs) and, uh, see me, and he's like, not (laughs) not getting close to them. And again, passes the letter straight firstly to Moraine, so that she can read it. Uh, He opens the second letter, and this one is from Alviarin that basically pledges her loyalty to him and saying that, look, she knows that this has to be kept secret. Don't let Moraine know. Don't let anyone know. <laughs> like, but I'm your person in the tower. So Rand does what he does, and he gives her data straight to Moraine so she can have a read. <laughs> First thing, straight. <laughs> straight. And then don't she says, to Morayne. Yeah, Morayne. well, yeah, what, what do you learn from this? And ran straight up to Moraine. We have a spy here. That's what I learned. Mm. Because the pigeons is notoriously <laughs> bad. And the battle was yeah. just won two days <laughs> ago. And how do they know to thank me or praise me on my great victory? Mm-hmm. And so there's a spy. And uh, like, Moraine is like, she's actually praising Rand about his effort in understanding how all of this works. Like, he's playing Diestime Bomb. He's understanding. He's really doing a bang-up job of staying out of the cooking pot with all of the enemies that surround. Mm-hmm. Um, now, finally, Matt arrives on the scene. The cheers in the background. Matt's back. Uh, he was <laughs> summoned four hours ago, but, you know, the cards yeah. were falling right for him. And the Dragon Reborn, psh, it's just random. I'll just keep on gambling for another four hours drinking. Uh, Matt looks like Matt looks. His shirt laces are untied. His coat is hanging open and loose. He is smelling like he's been in a tavern gambling. And he flops down on a chair. So Rand puts him to the question about why is there rumors that he has ridden out and already had clashes with the Andorran men, and uh, every time he rides out, Domains and all of the band all joins him with two thousand, <laughs> three thousand men, and they've just been having people come up to them wanting to join this band, like the whole time. Like this is growing and growing and growing, and Matt's like, yeah, well, you know, it's it's a cool club, <laughs> people like to join it. <laughs> Um, but raz like, Let's, no more sorties being sent out. They don't go and look for stuff. like you, There's now already rumors running around that you go looking for battle or battle finds you. Like, and hmm. this is whipping up everyone into a um, wanting to join his crusade frenzy. Uh,
0: now, Moraine finds it quite... This is, this is Matt trying to get away, right? Because Matt's riding off by himself and... I think someone else mentions, luckily, Talmanes and Nalusian are ri- will ride like the wind to find you. Like, Matt's riding off on his ace, and the rest of the band is following him, and then there happens to be a battle. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we won that battle. I guess we'll go back now. Yeah. And then he goes back, and then it rides off again. Like, it happened a couple times.
2: And while he's trying to get away from <laughs> one group of Andoran soldiers, he bumps into another one that he can't get away from, and he yeah. has to fight them.
4: Like, God damn it. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
1: but what Matt says as well in this is that these men aren't loyal to the king. Like the sooner you can get a lane, she will mm. be able to turn turn them over. Like it's the strategy and plotting in his head is at a high level. Now Moraine makes mention of the band of the Red Hand and that it was and uses the old tongue uh, for it, which I don't have in front of me now that uh, Mm. this was the last sort of battle sortie and the strongest one that was the last to defend uh, Amon in Minethorin. And it's strange Mm. that it was raised up again. And uh, it's
3: like,
1: I know nothing about those days. I only know about now.
0: (laughs) Don't ask me.
3: (laughs) Yeah, some of these Andoran
0: soldiers that he's fighting against actually joined the band. When he leaves Kyrian with the band of the Red Hand, it's made of Terran's... Karinian and Andorans that have come from Gabriel's army to join him. Now,
1: Rand is very focused on Samal being the next target, but the news that Matt brings, because he's like uh, the main, one of the big things that he brings in, which I found out is that the rumor is that Morgays is dead. And this sends Rand spinning, like he, will Elaine ever forget, forgive him for this? But also, in the same time, Elena, my love, could you ever forgive me? It gets getting a little yeah. bit loose in there, and the, the craziness. And Rand goes off like he shouldn't have focused on. He should have, he should have moved on Gabriel when he thought. And it's like, okay, you got to cut yourself a little bit of slack there, because <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of pies on the go at the moment. You can't just focus on yeah. one. Um, and he says no we move tomorrow, we're going to go in and do a surgical strike. We're going to go take Gabriel out. I'm going tomorrow. Or he wants to move right now. And Moraine's like, not now. We'll go tomorrow. Just sleep on it. And then, no, this anger is not going to help you in this. And he's like, okay, you coming with Moraine. And it, Avienda and Egwene is like, what? You, there's no way we coming with. Like, There's just no way you're going to go and do this without us. Uh, Rand eventually is like, okay, cool. This, If this happens, you can come with. Um, and tells them basically that they are excused. I don't know if there's anything that I forgot with the girls that was in there.
0: No.
2: Details, but that's basically it. A-
1: yeah, there's some details. Um, Matt tries to at this point, like skivvy out the room, and he's like, "Dude, get back!" Yeah, and Rand plays a bit of the Lord sneaking out of the room. <laughs> the <Just laughs> like, slow movement. are you doing? <laughs> Maybe I can get out of here. But Rand, like, says to Matt, like, "I know. I know. I was there. I know where you got these memories." I cut you down from the tree when you were hanging. I stared when you got the foxhead medallion. And I need you. You know more than any one of the uh, Ail clan chiefs. In fact, you know more than all of them together. I need you. I need those memories. And I cannot have you running off on sorties and getting killed. Like, there has to be a plan. So and he lays out a plan for Matt to basically lead a bunch of men back to Tia, which is going to be mm. the start of the move to take on Samael and Ilyan. Um, and then Rand will go and deal with Gabriel uh, on the next run. So that that discussion is sort of happens off book, the majority behind of
0: the closed people. doors. Yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, the, then we go to a quick point of view um, of Egwene, uh, where Moraine basically just tells them, like, look, be really careful tomorrow, um, because Moraine knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I think, is this not <laughs> the, the point where she goes and faces Lanfia now? Like, she's like, mm, it is. Stick with Rand, guide him. Like, just a little quick wrap up of everything that she's been anyway going on for a very long period of time, mm-hmm. and none of them are any the wiser to this Like, yeah. so specific but um, then that's jump back to matt's point of view um, he's he's upset that he's you know he can 't get away from rand he's got now being the hero of the battle that chopped down coololiden 's head he at least has a in the palace, a room that's got the anteroom. room like hey, he's, he's living Lani life now. But for mm-hmm. once, he's not focused on the the cost of all the furnishings and the tapestries and the gold-inlaid ivory furniture because he's just so focused and this whole not being able to get away, the, I suppose the inner conflict that he has with the whole being pulled into this. And he throws his Ashandari at the tapestry, but then goes back to it. It slices the tapestry and picks it up and still feels the blade. It's like not even chipped. And it's like, well, why would it even chip? It's made by Azadar. It's like unbreakable. And with that, he turns around and there's uh, Melindra. Now, he informs her that the plans he's going to be moving. Unfortunately, she can't come with because she'll probably want to stay with the maidens. And he's going to move a bunch of men. He's got his orders from Rand to go. And she's like, Well, you can seek your own destiny. You're right back under the what's the word I'm looking for? Um the
2: shadow of the Rand's shadow.
1: Yeah, under the in the shadow of Rand and you you can be your own big man. And he he makes a slip of Kamlin. That Rand is going to Kamelin. And before he knows it she she veils herself. But before he realizes, she punches him in the gut, fly kicks him in the head, and like a <laughs> full-on scuffle breaks out. And when Matt goes flying through the air, falling on his back, in that moment, he sees her grab a knife and put on the shufa and veils herself. Like, this is, mm. this is serious business right now. And in that moment, he doesn't even think... But one of his knives come out of his sleeve. As Tom taught him probably. And he throws it and he hits it straight in the chest, in the heart. And she basically comes down, what I assume like on top of him. And mm. he just wants to know, what, like, why? Like, why? And she's got a few breaths, say, like straining. And he knows, he knows where the heart is, is it says in the chapter there. So he, he knows he hit her in the heart. And uh, she says, you've got the great Lord's luck. And then it's kind of the, the end of it. But before that, she pulls out a dagger and she stabs Matt. And the dagger hits the foxhead medallion and at an angle that it actually just breaks the the dagger off by the hilt. And the, the hilt goes flying and, he's, and he saw the bees and the the garnishings on the, the dagger and he realizes well she's a dark friend and he bets if he goes and counts the bees on that dagger it's going to be seven and like, she's in on it with Samael and all he wants to know is why and the dice keeps spinning in his head
0: it's after she tries to stab him and she hits the medallion that she tells him that he's got the, the great lord's own luck mm. great lord's own luck yeah. Melinda, tricky you want to puzzle out? And like, what's her deal? She seems to have genuine affection for Matt.
2: She does. Yeah, look, she was given a task to infiltrate and befriend.
1: Mm. And she
2: she developed feelings for him. I'm sure that happened to a lot of spies in in
1: every mm, situation. We have we've seen this in spy movies over and over again. At first, I was sent to <laughs> to, but then I movies fell in Movies are maybe love. not the best.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, James Bond never fell in love.
2: Oh, they con- did that dad. one time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, it sucks because I'm like the. I knew this was coming, Like, I know she tries to mm-hmm. kill him and he kills her, and this is the first woman that Matt kills, like it's, yeah. he's killed Trollocs and he's killed men, and he's, he's now led men into to battle, but this is the first woman, and he knows that this will stay with him um, for a very long time.
0: I'm surprised how long it took for this to come around, I thought the showdown happens much sooner.
1: Yeah, as well. I thought it actually happened when they were in the Battle of Carrion. Um, I thought it happened in there.
0: My shoddy memory had it still happening back in the West. Oh, really?
2: Yeah. Well, there's there's not much to be said about our memories, guys. Uh, don't beat no, yourselves no, up. No, no. Just
0: how bad it is.
2: Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I like. There's a scene when. When Rand is talking to Moraine and Egwene and everything, and she's like, so what did you learn? And he starts telling her everything that he learned, and she goes, you'll do well. Like, she's, she's mm. like, phew, I can die tomorrow in peace. This guy
0: is ready. Like, I've done my job. Yeah. Can, she says, you learn quickly. You mm. will do well. Like, she's like, all right. I my note is praise from Moraine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost as good as praise from Lan. Not quite as good. But. Yeah, I mean, both come so rarely, <laughs> so rarely. Yeah. I never had the mental image of Kyrian as described at the beginning of this chapter as this like now super, super busy city because now, you know, obviously all the foregate is no longer there and refugees from around the countryside and everything is like crammed into the city and it's really really hot and it seems to me like really really humid and noisy like Rand standing on the balcony when he's being hit on by that um, young noblewoman, like just the sort of like hustle and bustle of Kyrian like coming up from beyond I've always imagined this this really stark angular um austere sort of vibe I mean all the Kyrian dressed in grey and black and that sort of thing but now the scene is much more um I don't know. Much more colourful, and
2: um, that might that might be true. You might have had that from before the foregate got burnt out. Mm.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was a very it sterile
1: city when Rand got there the first time, in the sense that the grays, mm. the dressing in grays, the big yes. open like palace courtyards that aren't. There's no people around. Like they yes, reflect the outside. Few the foregate. Mm. Yes. Now it's all of a sudden. The party's moved inside, and the nobility's not happy. They just want to get the riffraff out. One party moved
0: outside the White clerks. As soon as the siege got mm. lifted, they scarped. to borrow a word from Jody. No, fucking fuck the- White Cloaks. <laughs>
3: yeah. Good riddance. G- get out.
0: Vili, <laughs> do you want to defend them
2: now? Shall Vili defend the White Cloaks? They're actually not <laughs> no. so bad. <laughs> <laughs>
3: They're only trying to do the right <laughs> thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, ha- we have to, we, we cannot go into this one-sided. I mean, if we are all three just one-sided and we're all oh, back the same right. protagonist. I don't so like I it. have to stand up for Lanfia <laughs> and Morgideon and <laughs> got to give some Al <laughs> and his bees a little bit of time. It's Everyone has to have a story that needs to be brought to light. Some of them are... Like Valen Luka's. He's not such a bad guy. <laughs>
2: Samael and his and the worst battle cry ever. Samael and the Golden Bees. <laughs> golden Bees! <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> Shut up. Speaking of the Forsaken and sympathizing with them, mm. Asmodian, like just hanging out in the background. Oh, my note is: it must be cool to have a musician just lying around, like playing a soundtrack <laughs> to your life. You know, like when Rand strides back into the room with the other nobles, it's like a triumphant marching song. And then later, mm. when he's angry, Esmeralda plays something soothing, and Rand thinks, "Oh, so- I need soothing, do I?"
3: You
1: know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he really of the, room up the so mood so well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rand unleashes quite a bit of anger on asmodian as well when he plays a tune that he just does did not like and he's like get out of here and you'll be there tonight for whatever it was and it's like or you'll be
0: dead a version of the song like the fool that thought he was king or something like that and Rand, Mm. when he dismisses him he says i will see you tonight or i will see you dead yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay
2: yeah i felt sorry for asmodian then as well like and then went, wait. Listen to him. what you're saying. <laughs> I know, I know. You felt I felt really... <laughs>
0: sorry for Asmodean. <laughs>
2: Let me finish my sentence. And then I realized, oh, fuck him. He's a forsaken. <laughs> but he's so pitiful <laughs> and is. helpless now that you can't help feel sorry it for him. Is. Like your instinct. I'm not a bad dude. Also mentioned, Pedro Niel is recalling all the white cloaks. And they've mentioned it, I think, mm. twice in these mm. six, these five chapters. Like yeah. the white cloaks are coming back. He's building, he's,
0: he's regrouping his forces. By to. the way. They've been ineffectual out in the field.
2: Yes, you guys are fucking useless. Come home. Yeah. Jacob
0: Carradine isn't achieving much out on the western western coastline. I mean, Bornhold and his men did nothing in the two rivers. Galad and his men just managed to start a war in Gildan. Hmm.
3: Yeah, mm. Guys,
0: come home. Let's take it from the top. Yeah. Plan B. Someone talks about or Rand thinks about at one point rumors about his Andoran heritage. Um mm. some people think that maybe even maybe he's even a son of Morgays. Nope, son of Tegrain. <laughs> Close though. Close. Yeah, yeah I thought
2: the same thing, like, ooh, <laughs> you're almost right.
1: <laughs> you're almost yeah. right there. Uh Berylaine is on her way. Oh yes, that's true. She enters the fray again. And I don't think Avienda needs to know about that because she will not be happy. Ooh. Yeah, but Perrin can take, take care of herself, man. I would like. I don't know if there is a
2: fight between her against and Avienda. Hand
1: hand. Against Against Fail. And uh, in the letter that she sent, she specifically asked about Perrin.
0: Roark just dealt with both of them at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but
2: look, I don't think Avienda is going to be expecting it. When she sees Barry Lane, she's gonna take care of this, but like ba ba ba. She also knows the hand to hand combat. I also felt sorry for Berry Lane because there is like a comment you're talking that she's a couple of like a hundred miles outside the city or some shit. She is trying her best at every corner, just trying to save her country. Like she's got this tiny little country Mm -hmm. that's constantly under threat from being swallowed up by Tia. Um So that she's, you know, she's working for not just herself, for her people and her country all the time. So she's constantly mm-hmm. having to, like, and she doesn't have, like, all the armies and the courts is the size of Camelin and, and Andor and stuff. So she's, uh, she's got her, no, page, she's using her the tools at her full. disposal. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah.
0: What the fuck was the point of Aron's letter?
2: To throw Rand off. Because, I mean, he immediately did not fall for it. He was like, I would have believed her if it hadn't been so. Ham-fisted and flowery,
0: It's so weird. Yeah, effusive in its supplication. Like it is just like awful to read. And <laughs> yeah, yeah and we we called it out, but hilariously, like, don't tell Moraine. And he reads it, he finishes, it, and he hands it straight to Moraine, <laughs> who then also hands it to Egwene. Like everyone's reading it. And no, no,
2: <laughs> speculation. Did uh, did LVRN write that letter, or was someone posing as her? Or does she think Rand's a moron that he would believe all that shit?
0: That's more likely. Uh, the Black Arger and the Forsaken generally seem to underestimate their their opponents all the mm. time.
1: Alviarin is yeah. Black Arger. That's correct. The just double checking. Oh Black yes, Arger. I can't. She's I can't the head of
0: the tabs. Supreme Council.
1: Mm. Yeah, she's not just any Black Arger. And Alviarin is the the keeper for Elida. And she wrote both letters because Rand noted that both letters was in her handwriting. Yes, but she,
0: as the keeper, would be taking dictation from the Amelin. Yes, but... I assume.
3: mm. She wouldn't write two different letters
0: in the same hand and sign them Mm. with different names and send them to the same person. Like she obviously took the letter from elida yeah
1: brand says mm-hmm. that the elida's signature on the letter was very rushed and like mm. it was different
0: to the the actual script it's hmm. true yeah elida's, elida's too busy planning building her new palace yes but more where's
1: this where's the spies who's the spy obviously there's someone and
2: how right are they getting right information now. so quickly back I mean, regardless well, of
0: who the spy know, is. We know their are dark friends around.
2: Yeah, but still, they so, would have to use pigeons.
0: Not, not if they're reporting to Forsaken, who oh, are yes, giving the, orders the, in the,
2: the tower. A- the, the Black Archer sisters had Dream to ungrills.
0: Yeah, so maybe the Forsaken they are, are con- adept at using ter- mm. ter- 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 a Arunry- Fucking hell. <laughs> ter- ter- Arunry- <laughs> Arunry- yes, wait. that place. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so they maybe
2: they're getting it. information like that.
1: And who's taken? Was it Mogirian Has taken the the runaway uh, Black Archer sisters and Leandrin, mm. all of them. Mm. Yeah. She took them to play, and Leandrin yeah. at the moment is lacking powers and
0: the house beach. Yeah. She's shielded. Yeah. Does Matt touch the medallion whenever someone is trying to actually channel near him or at him? There's often mention of him. I thought that touching it. But normally, it normally
2: feels cold against his skin, but that's not mentioned. Feels uh, cold against his skin. But Moraine's little blue gem glows twice in that chapter in the room, and he's touching it as well. So maybe, yeah, she is channeling at him, just like little probes, or near him. We we
0: determined it's not just straight at him when it goes cold, or like when he's near him, because it's also from Rans' point of view. Mm. So. You wouldn't know if it's cold against his chest. Rand is observing ah. Matt touching it, which might be because it's cold, because oh, Moran is right. channeling near him. Possibly. I almost yeah.
1: think that it's Matt somehow almost taunting, like, re- like reminding, because his, wouldn't be his out of character. is open. No. It's his un, unstringed, or what, what you call the shirt strings. It's like wide open, yeah. so the medallion's right up against his chest. So yeah. he sees Moraine's challenge, uh, channeling by the glow of a little stone. So he's kind of like...
0: He doesn't know that that's what that means.
1: It's Rand that's maybe that? Maybe
0: not. Even Rand doesn't know that, that it means that she ch- he doesn't know. If, you might suspect, but he's never said or commented on the fact well, that then it's again, if unreal Rand, of any kind.
2: If, if she is channeling, Rand would feel tingling. And he never mentions that either. He just mentions the the, yeah. the the the, the gem in her headgear it, glowing.
0: It's it's refracting light at an angle that it should not be. Yeah.
2: Mm. Ooh, mysteries upon so, mysteries.
1: But I mean it's it's not out of Matt's character to to flaunt something like that. Like yeah.
3: you
0: know, to draw all the Aesodai's attention, all the channelers in the room. Just <laughs> look at this medallion I got over here. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Egwene jokingly calls Matt a lordling and he reacts with, I'm no lord. I have more respect for myself than that. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't yeah. miss an opportunity to cut them down. Yeah. The last note I have in here is just that Egwene notices when she sees another man in Rand's eyes and hears another man's words come out.
2: I noticed it too. So, yeah. It's a slippery and slope we, from we here. We obviously
0: do, but Egwene That's what, can what, see uh, it and hear it.
2: What Philly mentioned there in his chapter as well, when Rand thinks, "Forgive me, Elaine," and then an echo, "Forgive me, Elaine, I was like, yeah. <laughs> "That gave me goosebumps, man."
0: Mm. Yeah. Ever since they're channeling up on that platform now, it starts like, like the voices there, mm. Mm. not just the memories.
1: After his marathon channeling session, where he opened himself up to the taint for that long. Yeah. Maybe the taint is the memories of of Mad Men. (laughs) Gained lots of new madness. Mm -hmm. XP points aplenty.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's leveled up in his madness.
0: Anything else for that chapter, guys? No, that's been drained. Mm, No. It has. All right, then. So let's move on to favorite moments. And Jody, since you've already kind of let the cat out of the bag, and I absolutely have, uh, why don't we start with you?
2: Yeah, the cat's out of the bag. Why I have to repeat myself? Galad, that whole, just the whole thing, everyone fighting that whole scene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So not just Galad, like the, the whole. Specifically scene. Galad, but also
2: uh, the Shinarans, um, uh, the, the mm. distinction between the Shinarans, like their, and their look of respect at Galad afterwards. So they look at him and go, hmm. Yes. Well done, sir. Yeah. Well done. And Brigitte cool. as well, just, you know, picking out arrows from eyeballs <laughs>
0: often, just taking people down. Don't they describe like in the beginning of the scene, like exactly where everyone's standing, like the girls in the middle and then mm. the, the Shinarans fanning out beside them and then all the Shinarans almost as one, like they all unsheathe their sword or like un, un- like, ease their swords and their scabbards, mm. um, like just stalking down the street, waiting for trouble. And then these dudes Find charge it. them and... <laughs> Die. <laughs> <laughs> and then Galad standing with his arms folded until they're right on top of him, and then he unsheats his sword and dances between them. Kills very cool fucking everyone. Um, okay, I'll go next because we've, we've still got Vinny's surprise. My favorite moment was the interaction between Gareth and Tom mm-hmm. in Saladar to the point where I want to actually just read it quickly, yes, because it is so rad. So this is after Gareth has come up and like got Uno to join the the training camp instead of stealing his men's horses. (laughs) Um, And he says, And you, Tom Marilyn. Tom half turned away at the other man's approach, knuckling his moustaches and staring at the floor as um, as if to obscure his face. Now he met Brian's level stare with one of his own. I once knew a fellow with a name much like yours, Brian said, a skilled player of a certain game. I once knew a fellow who looked much like you, Tom replied. He tried hard to put me in chains. I think he'd have cut my head off if, I ever laid ha- if he ever laid hands on me. A long time ago, that would be. Men do strange things for women sometimes. Brian glanced at Swan and shook his head. Will you join me for a game of stones, Master Marilyn? I sometimes find myself wishing for a man who knows the game well, the way it's played in lofty circles. Tom's bushy white eyebrows drew down almost as far as Uno's head but he never took his eyes from Brian. I might play a game or two, he said finally. Once I know the stakes, as long as you understand, I don't intend to spend the rest of my life playing stones with you. I don't like staying too long in one place anymore. My feet itch sometimes. And Nynaeve,
2: <laughs> Nynaeve watching this game. Yeah, Nynaeve, what? oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> what? Does <laughs> much talk about
0: stones? Yeah, I just love that. All right, Will,
1: lay it on us. I don't have a favorite moment. I've got honorable <laughs> mentions, and then okay. I have a least favorite moment.
3: Ooh, oh, mixing it up.
1: Yeah. Okay, least favorite moment, but that is mm-hmm. probably the most impactful moment for me of this stretch of chapters is, unfortunately, Matt killing mm. Like mm. It's something that is going to be carried with him for a very long time. And that's the Mm -hmm. least favorite part of it. It, I mean, she was a Shido dark friend. I mean, you don't get Shido and then Shido dark friend. So Dagger was coming her way at some point of time. But just it wasn't a, a Shido dark friend that jumped out of the bushes at Matt and he had to defend himself. It was someone that... Spend time with him regularly,
0: and intimate mm-hmm. time with him. It's try to build him up. Mm. So that you know, she was constantly trying to get him to like step out of Rand Shadow, and you know, like she was, she was in his corner.
3: Mm.
0: So
1: that, that so is seemed. the least favorite moment, um, or favorite mm-hmm. moment, least favorite moment. That, and then mm-hmm. honorable mention. I loved how the kids were brought into the story. And we touched on it earlier. <laughs> it's like yeah, it just like something that I mean the the whole idea in this reread for us is that we look for those things that we would never have recognized or never thought about, like just yeah. battle and ran and like, like I said, the big focus of me is going to be diasty Ma. That's and I knew mm. I, when I read the Tom thing, I was like, This is gonna be Mo. Guaranteed.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew it. it's-
1: um, picked. So, I mean, going on that focus of politics and all of that, and then the lightheartedness all of a sudden with the kids being brought into it and juggling for the kids, and everyone trying to, and even down in Salida when they're there, they're trying to get these two. What would these kids be now? Husks of children, probably, and husks of children out of their out <laughs> of their, their, their shells with nothing that's left over there after Mogidian's done with them, but uh, yeah that's that's me for this one
0: nice I had one honourable mention which is um, when Elaine tries to force Susan Sarandon to come with him and uh, Brigitte's response to Elaine going why didn't you help me and is like you deserve that yeah. and when you do deserve a lesson I'm not going to step in you can learn that one yourself thank you very much Okay, then. So to our listeners, send in your favorite moments, your thoughts, your theories, your clarifications, your corrections, trivia, anything. Send us anything. We are interested in all of it. And the easiest way to do that is to just tweet us at Blood and Ash Pod, or follow any of the social media links in the episode description below. And if you get a chance, like our good friend Sarah, write us a review anywhere on whatever platform it is that you use to listen to, uh, to our podcast.
1: I had a rumor that people who don't write reviews and don't mm-hmm. give uh-huh. five stars are all dark friends or white lovers. I <laughs> just, just heard that oh, in the ether. It all makes some I, sense I, now. I, I know that I don't write reviews and I know that I'm a dark <laughs> friend. So there's some pseudoscience. <laughs> That's <your excuse>.
3: <laughs> proof.
0: <laughs> yes, listen to Billy. Um next time on Blood and Ashes it will be the big finale for the Fires of Heaven the last couple chapters that's chapter 52 called Choices to chapter 56 called Glowing Embers I cannot wait word
1: 50th episode Woo!
0: 50th episode wow look at us go well done um, so join us then but until then Sleep well and wake. Cheers. Cheers, after.
4: Hey guys, you wanted voices on your podcast, so here's a voice. Uh, just wanted to say, uh, good to have you back on the airwaves. I've been uh, taking a break from the Wheel of Time for the last couple of weeks because I had read ahead of your previous episodes a bit. So I've been uh, catching up on a series I wanted to read for a while, which is the Live Ship Traders trilogy by Robin Hobb. Uh, I just finished the first book and started the second. and it's great, uh, so can highly recommend that. As for the Wheel of Time, I'm looking forward to getting back into it uh, now. Uh, really heating up, yeah. Really excited for the climax of this book and pushing forward. I think, um, Mo, you mentioned in the last uh, episode that you don't think you've read the sanderson books a second time. I haven't either. I'm really excited for the read through of those last few books, so uh. Yeah, crack on.